Welcome in, and you know how much I love a Monday. And welcome into the Mike Heller Show as we get things underway. Another week. First full week now of April. This would be uh, the National Championship Monday in the NCAA tournament in Atlanta. And it would also be Masters Week. So you'd get all of the preamble leading up to the par three and practice rounds and the Masters Golf Tournament getting underway on Thursday of this week. Instead, it will get underway on November the 12th, 12th through the 15th in Augusta, Georgia. Welcome aboard. This is the Mike Heller Show. I'm Mike. By the way, John, I'm getting feedback on this, and uh, so you wouldn't be able to talk if it was you on this end. I'm trying to get through it, but just so you know it's there, that's John Audius right there. Hey, John. Or maybe it isn't. There we go. Much cleaner. John Adis, are you there now? How are you, sir? What's going on on your end of things? What's going on in your world today? Hey, fellas, what's up? Had to take a walk down the hall there, Mike, to fix okay. the issues we were having. Uh, I'm yeah. good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, we um, shoot. So, so here's the here's the weekend, right? And I think you probably did a lot of the same things. So, um, because the weather was nicer. There were a million people on the streets yesterday, you know, on, on every walking and running path and everywhere you look, people were out and about because it was one of those days we, we cleaned up the garage and got that good enough to eat dinner off the garage floor. Uh, we, we cleaned up the yard and burned some things in the fire pit. And, um, yeah, we, we did all that stuff on a Sunday. And today it looked awfully nice earlier. Now it's clouded up, but. You know how much I, I love Mondays, and I don't, I'm not trying to be a downer, but I love Mondays, but I'm not loving Mondays as much right now. It's just I think it's going to be a while before I love Mondays. Now, I can, I can pull out, I can, I can pick and choose and pull out the positives, all right? So here's the positives. Right now, they've got a, they've got a major golf tournament schedule that will be absent the British Open because that is uh, in Northern Ireland, so they're, they're going to they're cancel it. And they're going to move it to 2021, first time that the uh, British Open, the Open Championship, has been canceled since World War II. So in that regard, very much like Wimbledon, canceled a week ago for the first time since World War II, the Open Championship being canceled. But if I were going to pull the positives, right now they've got a calendar that has the PGA Championship August 6th through the 9th at Harding Park in San Francisco. The U.S. Open... A month later, September 17th through the 20th at Wingfoot. The week after that, the Ryder Cup right next door here at Whistling Straits. And then October empty FedEx playoffs, but October empty of a major and a November 12th through the 15th Masters Golf Tournament in Augusta. So if I want to pull positives, that's what I would pull because that's pretty good if you could salvage uh, a full, almost a full championship season for the PGA Tour. One major not being contested, and that would be the Open Championship. So I want to pull favor from that to say, hey, that, that would end up, you, you can handle that. Now, some of that, all of it, other than the PGA Championship, would end up going head-to-head with, the National Football League, and college football. So think of the final round of the Masters going head-to-head with a full Sunday NFL schedule. That's not ideal, but it, it gives you options, and it's better than not playing it. So I, I'll, I'll take a positive from there. 
Otherwise, over the weekend, eh, you know, I, I I didn't, you know, I told you last Sunday I'd watch that IRL race, the NASCAR race on Fox. I didn't watch any of it yesterday. The weather was nice. So um, I didn't get that. Um, so I watched no sporting event over the weekend other than I watched the f- fourth quarter of the Packers win over the Pittsburgh Steelers um, late yesterday afternoon. Fox played the greatest games, and the Super Bowl win for Aaron Rodgers was that was played. So I watched some of that. Otherwise, I'm looking at trying to trying to decipher the best things out of what uh, what this Monday is, and there there isn't a ton. Uh, there's there's not much to go to, well, but Mondays, that's okay. Hey, fellas, did I say the thing already? Um, sort of. Hey, fellas, what's up? Well, Mondays are going to be different. So, I mean, you're just going to have to rewire your Monday brain because you're not going to have the weekend to talk about. You're going to have the sports stories of the weekend, but not the sporting events of the weekend. So when I saw that the uh, PGA kind of reshuffled its schedule and uh, the September U.S. Open, November Masters, the PGA Championship in August, I started thinking to myself, as, as bad as we miss sports right now, it is going to be crazy if everything goes as planned, right? And everything comes back and the NBA pushes into August and you've got the PGA Championship and then college football and the U.S. Open and the NFL and Major League Baseball is whatever game they're in in September. Like, it is going to be so much sports that we're not even going to be able to talk about all of it. Isn't that hilarious to think about in a sense that um, that there's no sports to talk about right now, and there's going to be so many sports, cross your fingers, in that August, September, October time frame that you're not even going to be able, we're not going to be able to talk as much about the U.S. Open as we want to when there's a Badger football Saturday and a, a Packers Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to want to talk about the Masters in November, but that's a big college football month. You know, that's a big NFL month. It's yeah, going to be a little, the, uh, a little too jumbled. I was just looking up the um, that. So we don't know the NFL schedule. That'll come out uh, in a month. But from a college football schedule, Wisconsin, the weekend of the Masters, will be playing at West Lafayette, Indiana against Purdue. My least favorite road trip in the entire season. Well, at least that's um, good. Yeah, well, uh, so it, nothing that interrupts there. The weekend of the Ryder Cup. Y- have you thought about this yet? The weekend of the Ryder Cup Mm-mm. on Saturday, September the 26th. Wisconsin is um, at Michigan on that Saturday of the Ryder Cup. Yeah, would you rather be watching Saturday afternoon Ryder Cup? Or whenever that game kicks off on Saturday. Yeah. 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 And we're probably going to be at the Ryder Cup watching the Badger game. The weekend before the the U.S. Open, that is is Wisconsin on upset alert. Upset alert at Camp Randall Stadium when the U.S. Open is playing its uh, Saturday moving day round. Appalachian State will be at Camp Randall. And the PGA Championship in early August is when the Bucks are going to be making their playoff push, while the Brewers are also going to be playing in game 33. Right, and the <laughs> Badgers will be opening their season on that Friday night, opposite high school football around the, the area. Yeah, uh, but you see what I'm saying? Like entertain Indiana. When we finally get everything going, and it, if, if it pans out the way we, we hope it will, we're going to have sports overload. So as much as we're in sports starvation mode right now, we're going to be binging on so much sports that it's it's going to be too much to consume. 
You're going to have to right. be like, I need a break from the NBA playoffs. I already ate too much Major League Baseball. Or vice versa. Yeah, and now you see that the Korean League is going to go ahead and and get underway, and they're going to play in empty stadiums. So it might give you some indication of the decision that Major League Baseball will face. You know, we're, we're all starved for real-time sporting events, and see, it, it appears that the NBA is going to follow our suggestion and play virtual horse. Did we not talk about that two full weeks ago? Oh yeah, I'm surprised at how long it's taken some of these leagues to organize all this stuff. Like like the second the league got canceled, there should have been a list. It like, is such a simple yeah. deal for the NBA to have already predetermined that they're going to have interviews, you know, so this the kind of the in-depth sit-down interviews. Let's learn a little bit more about Steph Curry and his life since the quarantine, you know, in a private gym and intersperse the interview portion with whoever his opponent is, uh, Kevin Durant or whoever, in their gym, and you can intersperse the pre-recorded interview segments with their live virtual horse. And I don't know, well, things are never quite as easy as we want to make them be, but we've been talking about that for a couple of weeks, and it appears that, that they're moving in that direction. But I think we're, we're going to get a clue from what happens in Korea with their professional baseball league to see if it's successful. And the concept that could Major League Baseball isolate its rosters and play at some spring training sites or, uh, you know, whatever that that might be, and play some just television games. Maybe it's not a full schedule. Maybe they limit some of the schedule. But to go ahead and play games for the the purpose of playing some calendar, some schedule, and for the television side of things with nobody in the stands. And are we going to watch those games and go, this just doesn't seem right? You know, because there are a couple of sports that you watch, and from the TV side of things, you can't tell if there's fans there for the most part or not. Yeah. And one of them is football. Because football, it's pretty much the same camera angles that work uh, and in the NBA, a lot of times you you can't really tell. Major League Baseball, you can. That shot from center field, you see nobody behind home plate. Uh, a pop-up or a fly ball, the, the way the camera works, you see empty stands all the time. You don't necessarily in football, but I don't know that we're going to get there, right? I don't know that we're going to get there in football where you would have televised games without people in the seats. I could be wrong here, but I've always thought that this empty arena thing is going to be strange for the first one, two, three times, yeah. and then it's going to be like just normal because well, the one that, we've all the watched NBA Marlins probably, games, right? Yeah. We've all watched sure. Marlins games. Yeah. We kind of get an idea yeah. of what's that like. We've all watched those Thanksgiving tournaments and some college leagues, right? We kind of get the idea of what it's going to be like without any fans. Is it going to be weird seeing an NBA playoff game with no fans? Absolutely. In some different type of arena with just music playing. But I think the music and all the all of that kind of chatter is going to give it enough of normalcy that it'll be weird right away. At least this is the way I look at it. It'll be weird right away, and then I'm just going to be like used to it, I think. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I think other than sound... And the NBA, you you could do it. Wouldn't you do the Wouldn't you do the NBA with all of the same accoutrement audio that you'd have normally? Like, I mean, because the NBA never is devoid of music. It's all. It's not live music. It's all um, pre-recorded. You know, it's the it's mm-hmm. 
wouldn't you still have that? Yeah, I would think so. So you're not going to hear the sneaker squeaks all the time. You're going to have that the the sound the music sound is going to be going constantly. So you're not going to hear players calling out screens and coaches yelling for plays nearly as much as we think we're going to hear it. But we don't know that yet. No, I think you'll pick up some. But you're right. Yeah. The, the NBA does it enough where there's going to be things going on. Uh, you know what's interesting? Will they play? Because a lot of this during timeouts or whatever is the music, is the thing they're playing on the video screen, is the announcer talking that kind of fills some of that noise. Like, if there's nobody to show the video screen to or no one to tell the latest promotions to, like, is that going to be dropped? And if that does get dropped, then I think that'll sound kind of different. But if they just fill that noise, yeah. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, the the one place you don't fill that noise, you don't fill it in um, a major league baseball game. It is going to sound deadly quiet. <laughs> that that would be a different deal. That's why I think they're very curious to see what happens in Korea, how it works, how it sounds, how it looks, um, and, and then what happens after two weeks of play. Uh, all right, so let's set up the show. Tom Hardicourt will join us in hour number two, about 20 minutes past the hour of four. He will join us. Uh, I want to debate our Twitter poll question, which is up. John, it's up and running right now. It is vote for the top hockey movie of all time based on the athletics rankings. Hoosiers won for basketball. Remember the Titans won for football. Major League won for baseball. So who wins? Miracle, Slapshot, The Mighty Ducks, or Youngblood? Those are the two rated or four rated movies um, that we put in the poll question uh, Rob Vogel is going to lose on this vote. It looks like he said if you should be banned from the internet if you don't vote Slapshot. Slapshot is in second place right now, and a long way behind, twenty percentage points behind Miracle. So we'll get into that conversation as well. Is Jeff? Um, are we going to talk with Jeff Levering? Jeff Levering's our guest next for the next hour. All right, Jeff Levering's going to join us. One of the Brewers Radio Network announcers, Jeff Levering, jumps in with us next. This is the Mike Heller Show. On 1070, the game and the iHeartRadio app. I love doing radio. I, I love its concept. I love the three-hour window. I, I miss the idea that right now, out of a break, if we were on TV, like if this were on YouTube or if it was simulcasted like some of the national radio shows are, we would be playing Jeff Levering's dance video from the weekend because it was – I mean, I was – I was smiling, and then nobody else watching it with me, so I had the quiet chuckle going on watching it. And then I'm thinking to myself, I am so impressed that this dude can move this way because I I never could move that way. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, John, but there is a there is a dance quality to Jeff Levering that I would never have thought just by listening to him describe a baseball game. And Jeff Levering joins us on the show now. Jeff, how are you? Oh, my gosh. I mean, after that intro, I don't know where we can go with this thing. <laughs> now, I don't know. John was busy all weekend, so I don't know that he's seen it. I think um, I'm looking at it right now. Was that it with is, you and your wife dancing? Yeah. No, okay, so yep. honestly answer me. How many takes to get the uh, kind of the, I don't know what it's called, butterfly effect or whatever, where your arms, you can't see you behind your wife? Um, how many takes did you guys have to get it? 
where the camera is positioned. Because I also thought that the way it finished with your fist pump at the end, that it was like you finally hit it after a, you know, a few tries. Um, I, it was not a full take wonder. I, I will admit that. I, I will say this, that the part where we were in sync with our arms was not the most difficult part. It was making sure that we were in tempo with the beginning and the snapping and when we were picking up and then uh, the, the kind of the, our chorus move as well. Um, I think that was the, the hardest mm-hmm. part for us to get in sync. Not, not for my wife. She, was the, she choreographed the whole thing and I was the one that was messing it up. But I think it was about five takes. We were happy with three of the five, and then that sixth take was the one that we ended up using. It was We nailed it at the end, and you could tell that I was excited just because we finished it and concluded it. Well, you should because it was, it was fantastic. It was, you know, here's, here's, honestly, I mean, I think it was. Did you like it? I mean, when you look back, a lot of times we look back at ourselves and go, oh, boy. But, I mean, you must have liked it because it was good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty confident in it. I felt really good about it. I mean, it, it beats. I mean, if you if it, somehow some way there's there is video of me doing InSync's Bye 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 at 2000 and 2001 somewhere around that with the guys I went to high school with. There's a video that exists somewhere out there of me doing that, and I was much more pleased with the minute and thirty seconds that we came up with yesterday than I was 20 years ago. I can tell you that much. I I was happy with it. It was fun, and we killed time, and we've been doing this stuff since we got home from Arizona, and we were just trying to put smiles on people's faces, and and just hearing your reaction to how you took the video, it's it's, it's rewarding to to know that we're trying to give some people some some happy news and some content that you can – consume that that puts a smile on your face so what would be those key words if i were searching for this uh older video of you that exists on the internet somewhere (laughs) beta tape that's all it's on on, beta uh, tape somewhere somewhere yeah yeah somewhere in my parents house maybe in an attic somewhere that's where you would find it (laughs) yeah now i'm waiting for the audius family to uh, join the tiktok revolution um, uh, my family did, but I was outside when they did it. Oh. I think they wisely waited till I was outside working on a project and said, okay, so Mike's outside now. Let's do a TikTok video. I did not uh, have the confidence of yeah. Jeff Levering. I could never, no, I, no. See, I could, we haven't downloaded the TikTok thing yet. People have told us that we should, but we haven't, we haven't done it yet. That was just straight us putting push and play and me editing my finger coming away from pushing the play button and getting <laughs> ourselves all squared up, and it was good. So what has been the world outside of the, uh, the cleaning pictures and the, and the, vid- the dance videos? What has what uh, Jeff Levering's world been like since getting back from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and essentially working, walking into a world of isolation? Yeah, it's different. I mean, I was, I was talking to my wife earlier today, and this is the most my family's seen me ever um, yeah. for a long stretch of time. Uh, and it's great. And, and I've got two young children, five and two years old, and, and I'm really enjoying the fact that I get a chance to see them and they get a chance to see me. And this is as normal as our life will ever be, quote unquote normal, not being able to go outside and spend time with friends, but we get this time to bond. Um, but we were, we were talking and, and my wife asked me, you know, when was the last time in the month of April that, that you haven't either been working or playing? And I said, probably before I started T-ball. So that's like four yeah. years, four, right. four years old. 
So I, I'm looking at 34 years of my life where I, I haven't baseball in April is, is that's what we're doing. We're outside, we're playing ball, we're, we're playing catch, we're doing whatever we can do. And, uh, it's just different. You, you can try and watch as many replay videos as you want, but you want that live action. You don't want to know what's coming. And, um, it, it's been different. It's been really different. And, and I feel for the players because they're, they're ramping up. They're 10 days away from starting the regular season. And then bam, all that hard work is, is gone by the wayside. And they're going to have to try and do it again. So I, I feel really bad for the players and for the coaches and front offices who have who have stopped and skidded to a halt after building all that great momentum for the season to start. You know, Jeff, it's part of our job to keep track of when the NBA, when Major League Baseball is supposedly coming back and the latest developments there. Do you keep track of that? Have you? Or did you just say, you know what, whenever they tell me I'm back, I'm back? I mean, I try and keep my... my you- to the the news cycle as much as I can, but there's nothing that I can do to control it. That's the, that's the hard part of all of this for every industry, for everybody out there. You you don't know when that end is going to be. If there is an end, when you go back to work, what what is normal when you come back? I mean, these are all crazy questions and philosophical questions that we're going to have to deal with, hopefully sooner rather than later. But part of me. Is, is sitting on my hands and kind of waiting to be told what to do um, in regards to baseball. And the other part of it is just trying to, to make as educated opinion as I can and, and try and tune out some of the noise and and just kind of sit there and, and wait and, and be patient with it and know that if I get frustrated with this thing or if anybody gets frustrated with this thing, we're not, we're not doing ourselves any good uh, at the end of the day. Jeff, uh, let's let's dive in. I'm sorry, I lost you there for a second. Uh, didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, let, let me let me dive back into a couple of things. You joined. We're talking to Jeff Levering, joining us on the Mike Heller Show. Jeff joined the Milwaukee Brewers broadcast uh, radio broadcast team in 2015. Now, by that point, when you step in to do a game with Bob Euchre, he had been doing it for 45 years. When you sit down mm-hmm. next to him, can you t- can you take us back through? your thought process when that was about to happen? Uh, yeah. How's my connection, by the way? I moved rooms. I don't know if that's any better. I, I think we're clean. It, we, I just, we, it, most okay. of it was good. I just good. lost you on the last sentence before that. No, that's okay. That's okay. So uh, I just want to make sure we're okay. Just shifting positions here. Um, you know, when, when I – First of all, going from the minor leagues, and I was in the minor leagues for eight years, uh, which is a very short amount of time when you, when you look at the grand scheme of things and where other people have gone uh, before me from the minor leagues to the big leagues or, or vice versa. It, it's, it, it was extremely humbling to get to this point, first and foremost. Um, second point was wrapping my head around the fact that my first year I wasn't working with Bob. I was working with Joe Block. Uh, okay, so I was the right. number three guy. And, yep. And, and just working, working the road games. I, I didn't do a home game until 2016, which is crazy in itself. So 2015, I'm just doing road games and sitting behind Bob and getting to know him and his personality and doing some of the other stuff. So in 2015, I, I, I'm really fortunate that I had that opportunity to, to dip my pinky toe in the shallow end and not go swan dive in the deep end. Um, for lack of a better term. So in 2016, when Joe left and took the Pirates job and I got elevated to the number two job, and when Bob doesn't work the lead, um, you know, the, the 
I already had a year of being with him and, and not working with him, so to speak, and, and doing games on the air with him, but having a good rapport after getting to know him for a whole year. So that was very helpful. Um, and and I, I tell this to a lot of people that the hardest thing for me to do when I started working with Bob was learning how he scored a game because we share a scorebook. That That's something that not a lot of people do. I, I'm pretty confident saying we're the only people that do that. So where we pass a, a book back and forth to one another, and um, I had to learn how he scored a game, basically like learning a new language, so that when he got the book from me for the fifth and sixth innings that he works after I do the third and the fourth, he understands what's going on in the game. So that was the hardest part. And because I, I knew going in, hey, listen, these are these are this is a monumental human being. This is a guy that that is. He, I mean, it, you, you're not going to try and top him. And if I even think about doing that or trying to go toe to toe with him in in humor, I'm going to fail miserably. And that's not going to be good for anybody. And nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to hear Bob Euchre. So how am I going to be able to tee him up so that he can sound as good as humanly possible? And that means if I don't talk until the third inning, I don't talk until the third <laughs> inning. If it means that, if it means that I come in in the top of the first, if you want, if there's a long inning or something, or if he's having a tough time describing action, or if he needs some help doing something, then I'll pop in for a second or two. But it's it's really putting your ego in check more than anything else, and saying, "Listen, he this is this is he is the engine of this boat, and you got to make sure that that engine's firing all cylinders." And I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that that's the case. And it's it's been so much fun uh, working with him. And this would have been our, our fifth year working together in his fiftieth. Uh, with the Brewers, so it, it's just it's amazing to be to be sitting next to him and, and learning all the things that I've learned from him. Well, and we we obviously not everybody knows this, but the backup plan obviously uh, has dance and choreography involved in it, and we want to dive a little bit deeper <laughs> deeper into that end of the pool. Jeff's uh, kind enough to stay with us uh, in this hour of the program through the top of the hour, so we appreciate that. We'll have more with Jeff Levering of the Brewers Radio Network as we continue on this Monday afternoon. Alongside of John Audius, I'm Mike Heller. This is the Mike Heller Show. On 1070 The Game and the iHeartRadio app. It just makes me want to move. You know, it's radio, so I can't see what Jeff Levering is doing. But right now, my sense is is that he's in full dance mode, um, or at least partial dance mode. Uh, Jeff Levering joining <laughs> us the on the Mike Heller Show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's so impressive. I, I loved it a lot. Um, and I tweeted out, uh, retweeted out uh, what we were talking about. So if, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Jeff posted uh, a Twitter video yesterday. Was it yesterday or some at some point over the weekend? Doesn't matter. Um, which is to that song, and it's fantastic. I, I really do think it's fantastic. <laughs> Jeff, let me jump back into the conversation where we left it off. Hard to transition from that dance video into your work with Uke, but listen, he he would have great appreciation for this because he he has a great sense of humor. One of one of the best, funniest people of all time. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I was talking to you about 
when you broke in, even though you were in, in the second row, he had been doing it for 45 years uh, with the Milwaukee mm-hmm. Brewers, talking about being the radio broadcaster. So, I mean, I grew up with Uke, and I grew up watching him, and my real exposure to him was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. So I'm curious, as playing the straight man, as you've learned to do with him to help set him up uh, when you can, um, because he doesn't need a whole lot of help, give us a sense of maybe a couple of those funniest or best moments for you, or maybe it was hard for you because it was so funny. Take us through a couple of those. Yeah, I mean, there there have been plenty um, where where he's had a knack, whether it's been myself or Corey Provis or Jim Powell, um, Pat Hughes, where he has the the incredible knack of making you laugh so hard that you can't breathe, um, <laughs> and and he does and he does it on regular, right? And and some of those moments are even while we're not even on the air, but when it happens on the air. Um, it makes for a lot of fun. So there, there are a couple that, that really ring true to my heart, and, and I'll never forget. One was last year, um, kind of a throwaway game in the month of probably August or July or something like that, and it was a Thursday night against the Reds. And For whatever reason, we were talking about a story where, where Bob and the Brewers ended up playing the El Paso Diablos, the double-A affiliate of the Brewers at the time, in a in a exhibition game, and Bob decided to get behind the plate, and he dyed his hair, and he was trying to call the game from behind the plate, and they were trying to do all these gimmicky things, and there was a a play at the plate, and um, the right fielder threw a, a dart to home plate. He makes the catch, and this this minor league guy's going to try and take him out, and so we started taking about we talking about this story, and it morphed into the song El Paso. And I, I had never, I was not a country western fan growing up, so I'd never heard the song El Paso. And then he starts singing the song, and then he said, "Well, I think I've got the lyrics right." Um, There's a gal named Rosita from El Paso, and so we go into just diving into the lyrics of the song El Paso, and it went on for three innings. The Brewers <laughs> are getting smoked by the Reds, so nobody really cares. So we're, we're talking about the song El Paso, and it was just. One of the one of the funnest games that we've ever been a part of. Then it wasn't about the game; it was about the stories we were telling about the song El Paso. And then there was another one in Pittsburgh. Um, one of our our favorite people in Pittsburgh is the on field uh, announcer um, who does a great job. His name is Joe, and Joe has a very pronounced lean back to when he's talking. He's almost like a question mark the amount he leans back yeah and um we were in the pregame show talking and and it's that that kind of middle segment of our pregame show where bob sets up the game we go to a break and come back and we kind of set up the game and we're talking about andrew mccutcheon in his first year not being a pirate and is he going to have a statue out there with the likes of um with the likes of stargell and clemente and the rest and he, I, I caught Bob because he, he called me Joe instead of calling me Jeff, and then he transitioned that from Joe to, you know what, Joe, is, I think Joe down on the field is going to have himself a statue, and he's going to be leaning back, and he, said, and he said, what do you think? And then he took his headset off and started laughing and crying, and I'm just hung out to dry, and I'm trying to... Yeah, you know, Joe, he's one of our favorite guys, and then I see Bob laughing, and his back is going up and down, and his shoulders are bobbing up and down, and I'm like, I and I just stopped. I just stopped, and I was laughing, and I had 
said, yeah, Bob, I think he should have a statue as I pulled it together, and then we went to break. But that happens so often. Um, it's just it's just part of our, <laughs> our routine, and, and we have a blast with that. I think the fans appreciate it, too. Did you feel, Jeff, when you began that there was a an acceptance process, a grow-in with Uke, um, it, or is because none of us have worked with him, or was he easy to work with from the beginning? I mean, there's there's definitely that little buffer of time where you've got to earn his trust. Yeah. Um, there's there's no doubt about it. And once once you get that trust, and you're you're quote unquote in the club, you're you're in the club forever. Uh, and, you, and as the person who joins the club, you don't ever want to get out of that club. So uh, there was a little bit of that time. And you know, to be honest with you, my, my last interview to get the job was going and having dinner with Bob. That was my last. It was kind of up to, the, to Bob to make the decision because eventually he'd have to be sitting with me or working with me or me being behind him in the second row. Um, on a day in a day out basis. So he had to have final approval. So I went and had dinner with him and dinner went well. And in the middle of dinner, he goes, yeah, so I guess we'll see you up in Milwaukee in a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> oh, I don't have the job yet, but I, I guess, yeah, no problem. Well, so he's making kinda, the call, okay, right? Well, I yeah. I mean, I passed that initial test. And I don't think the guys in Milwaukee are going to say, you know what? I'm glad you liked him, but we didn't really like him. So that's okay. Um, as soon as you got Bob's seal of approval, it was a pretty good deal. And, and I was kind of in there. So it was, it was good. And, and again, working with him, it was just being smart and, and learning his cadence and learning his rhythm and, and how many different layers he can go on different stories and how far he wants to go on some stories. Uh, that just came with working with them. Let, let me let me follow up on one thing, uh, John. I know you got next, but let me follow up on one thing. It, I, I was at spring training when they closed down the clubhouse on that. I think it was a Monday night, and they announced that on Tuesday it was going to be closed. And so we're down there, and uh, I'm talking with uh, Mike Vasallo and Sophia Minert, and somebody said, "Who's going to have to tell Uke?" He can't go in the clubhouse <laughs> because the, he mm-hmm. was going to be non-essential personnel as far as going into the clubhouse, and I don't think it ever got there because I don't think Yuke was at the ballpark. And then, um, you know, they closed it down completely three days later. But at some point, it had it gone that direction, somebody was going to have to say to Yuke, "You don't get to go in the clubhouse." Right, that and that's a big that's a big conversation to have too because. If we're at Miller Park, Bob is in the clubhouse all the time. I mean, yeah. he doesn't come up to the booth until maybe an hour, hour and a half before the game. Um, he goes down there. There's a whirlpool, and he swims in it, and he's yucking it up with the players and with council and with the coaching staff. And I mean, that's just that's he's like a team mascot in, in the best possible way. And um, I think that was indicative when they gave him a full share after the NLCS run in 2018, which Bob then donated. So I mean, it, yeah. it's just. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that conversation would have gone. I can't imagine someone <laughs> no. going in there, and he and he gets and he gets medical treatment too from some of the the training staff. So right. it's it's he's getting worked on, and having that conversation with Bob would have, I would have never wanted to be the Grim Reaper mm-hmm. on that one. No, not at all. You know, talking about Yuki, you talked about how you had to learn his cadence, and obviously everybody kind of has their own unique way of broadcasting on the radio. Who inspired you as a broadcaster growing up that made you want to do this? Oh man, there there are a lot of people. Um, I, I grew up listening to John Miller on the radio, yeah. which is a pretty good barometer to have. Um, Hank Greenwald before that in, with the San Francisco Giants in the the mid nineties. 
Um, so having those two guys to listen to each and every day of the summertime was really helpful. Um, when I when I got into the industry, I worked at Fox in in Los Angeles, and I got to sit behind Steve Fiziak and Rex Hudler uh, on the Angels telecast, and then get to know some of the visiting broadcasters too. But I, I mean, I was the gopher on that broadcast. If they needed peanuts or whatever, they needed BD guys or stats, I would be the guy to go do it. And then run down the post game show and grab the the player for the post game interview with whoever the the reporter was and go run that beta tape out to the truck and go back and forth. I mean, that was my job. That's how I got into the industry. Um, but Steve Fiziak was really big in that. Um, when I first broke into the business and I was just an intern and he, he noticed that I had a, uh, a hankering to do what he did. And he said, Hey, just grab a tape recorder and go into the next booth. You're not doing anything in the middle innings, call the middle innings, give me the tape at the end of the night. I'll listen to it on my way home. and I'll tell you what you think. So, I mean, that that's basically how, I got into play-by-play because I played in college, and I never, I ne- I've never had a chance to call baseball before. So I, I got my first job in the minor leagues with two full games and, and a handful of innings from those intern sit-in-the-camera booth innings that I called. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's how I got in. So Fizz was huge. So, Jeff, you were talking to Jeff Levering, joining us on the Mike Keller Show with us for a few more minutes here. Um, Jeff, let me ask you, it, you talked about eight years of doing minor league games, correct? Um, yep, and, yep. and that's a relative short period of time because nobody leaves these jobs. Um, were yeah. there moments in there, even though, you know, eight years seemed short while you were doing it, I'm sure it was an eternity. Were there times in there where you thought, okay, I'm just, this is it. If, if something doesn't break in this off season, I'm moving in a different direction. How close did you ever get? Uh, I would say I got really close and it, and it wasn't because I didn't want to do it. Um, it was because my my job was basically taken from me uh, because of an ownership change, and that was three years in. I was in Rancho Cucamonga, California, California League, in A-ball. Uh, I'd been there for three years. I'd finished as a runner-up to a double-A job the year before. And then in 2000, that was 2008, in 2009, in that offseason, I felt like I had a pretty good chance to, to land a job. Um, somewhere else, I ended up being the runner-up for the Frisco Rough Riders job in uh, Frisco, Texas, uh, Aaron Goldsmith ended up getting that job, who does a phenomenal job on all sorts of Fox platforms and Seattle Mariners. Um, and then I was, okay, well, I'm going to go back, and the ownership change happens. And um, I got a call from one of my buddies who was in the Texas League and said, hey, listen, we just got an email from the, the Springfield Cardinals broadcaster. And he says he's leaving. He's going to Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, I thought you still had that job. What's going on with you? And I went, <laughs> oh, great question. Boy. I don't, I don't know what's happening with me. So I go in and talk to the suits. They said, yeah, we knew him from our previous ownership group, and he's got a girlfriend out here that he wanted to reunite with. And um, yeah, so we hired him. Okay, so I sent my uh, stuff to Springfield, and yeah. I ended up getting, I ended up getting that job. But if I don't end up getting that job. Uh, we ended up trading places, but if I don't get that job, I, I don't know if I'm doing play-by-play right now. Maybe I do something different. And that was 11 yeah. years ago. So that that was the big crossroads for me. Well, it's it's such a grind, and when you're good at it, uh, it, it sometimes that's not enough, right? It, you have to not only be very good at it and work at your craft, but you also have to then be lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Maybe you know somebody who's going to say, hey, yeah, I can get this to this person to get a good listen to it. Yeah. I mean, that's how business works, but it certainly is how broadcast works. 
It's it's ninety five percent of it, in my opinion. I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I was okay. I, I wasn't very good in my first three years, and I'm glad I, I made my mistakes when I did before Twitter hit, and I could make those mistakes, and nobody could broadcast it all over the place. <laughs> um, but it, it was it was a it was a great breeding ground for me to just try stuff out. I mean, the first station I was on for two years was all Spanish all the time until we hit the air, and you couldn't hear the station unless you were sitting in the parking lot of said station. So who was I broadcasting to? Nobody. So I could make as many mistakes as I wanted to. I could try out as many things as I wanted to, home run calls that were atrocious, um, just doing impressions on the air. Stupid. Um, but th- that was the time for me to do it. It was kind of my playground, and I kind of had fun with it, and I figured out who I was and what my voice was, and that was the beauty of it. Um, but you, you, the eight years in the minor leagues – I. I call it grad school, basically, and working on my doctorate and my master's and all that kind of stuff. I'm still working on it, but finding your voice is so important, and, and I, I really am thankful for those those opportunities I had in the minor leagues and riding the buses and talking to all these players and all these coaches, and it all comes back around. Uh, but I, man, I, I, I loved every second of it, and um, I wouldn't have changed my journey, and I'm very fortunate with the luck that I got uh, to get to where I was. Well, we're we're glad to have you here, and uh, I love your sense of humor uh, from the videos this weekend, and uh, taking advantage of that. Truly, I think that that shows uh, kind of who you are, and 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 in a very very good way. Um, appreciate you spending some, hey good good out music, John. Uh, appreciate some extended time with you here today, and we'll look forward to doing it again. And maybe the next time we'll do it, we'll be at the ballpark. All right, man. You guys take it easy. Have fun in El Paso. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Levering. Jeff Levering of the Brewers Radio Network joining us on the program on a Monday. Again, one of the the advantages of the current situation we're in, we just got to spend 40 minutes with Jeff Levering, and we're not going to be able to do that under normal circumstances and a little bit deeper in depth as to where he came from and working with Uke and all the cool things. So, Good stuff there. We have uh, two more hours yet to come. Tom Hardercourt will join us in the next hour. We'll ask him about Al Kaline. Uh, Al Kaline uh, being announced that he passed away earlier today. One of the greats of the game, one of the nicest guys in the game, Al Kaline. We'll talk with Tom Hardercourt about that. We got a little hockey to get to in the 4 o'clock hour, updating our Twitter poll question. What's the best hockey movie of all time? Miracle leading by a, by a long shot here. 47% of the vote. Slapshot number two. Mighty Ducks is third. Youngblood is fourth. That is in descending order of how they're listed on the athletics uh, website as well. One hour in the books. Two more yet to come. This is the Mike Heller Show. On 1070, the game and the iHeartRadio app. Many thoughts raced through my mind as I stood there. I had but one chance, and that was to run. This is the Mike Heller Show. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Heller Show. Now, alongside John Audius, here's Mike Heller. Oh, we jump right 
into our number two of the program. We welcome you aboard on this Monday. I love Mondays. There's so much to talk about. We know that there's not that much to talk about right now. But we had just had a great conversation with Jeff Levering of the Milwaukee Brewers Radio Network, who joined us in hour number one for an extended conversation. Really good stuff. And, and listen, I'll tell you, and, and John knows this because we we work and have worked with people who have made an attempt to work their way through summer league, minor league baseball broadcasts. Mike Pilch is one of them. Um, Adam Eichstad had done it. Um, uh, another f- former um, employee with us. It is a grind. <laughs> you know, the the concept of earning your way through minor league baseball broadcasts to get one of the very few chairs that ever comes open at the big league level is it sure sounds listen it's what i wanted to do i never took a step in that direction out of college um could have probably could have maybe should have you know part of me will always kind of regret i wish i would have done it but the grind that is that and all of the things that you have to do you're you're uh you're the media relations director. When you're working minor league broadcasts, you're putting out their media releases every day, any press releases. I mean, you're not just doing the games, and you're one man banding that. But um, did you? Uh, that was never an interest of yours, right? No, John? no, too much of a grind, man. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Um, but Pilch did it. How long did Pilch do it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But you're right, and it's not only that you do that the radio that you travel on your way for three or four months and that you do all the media stuff is that that pay isn't any good. Either. Oh, you don't make anything. You don't make any money. You're making like when you, we, we, I bet you if, if you, if we asked a double or triple A or single A guy say, how much time do you put into this on the, in the summers, how much do you get paid and divide that out? It is well below minimum. Oh, rate. sure. Yeah. Well, you would never, you would never want to do it hourly. Like to add up the amount of hours that you put into it, and then what is your hourly wage? Because any job you could get would have paid more than that. Any job, yeah. It, yeah. it, it honestly, it probably comes down to like a couple bucks an hour, right? And uh, so uh, I'm. It's just in order to to make it through is so hard, and in order to make it through as a non former player, they take up I don't know what the percentage is. 35 to 40 percent of the jobs ish there was a time when it was more than that um you know so uh hats off to to jeff levering and um you know those who have kind of um come through the system that way uh lane grindle jeff levering i look at the list of former radio broadcasters you know keeping in mind that euchre has been doing it since 1971 but here's the here's the other names since '71 who have been on the Brewers radio network: Lorne Brown, Dwayne Mosley, Pat Hughes, Jim Powell, Corey Provis. So what did I do with the last three? Those are all Hughes is the Cubs, Powell is the Atlanta Braves. It was the Braves last time I knew. Yeah, Corey Provis, Minnesota Twins. Twins. Davey Nelson's no longer with us. Joe Block, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Jerry Augustine, Daryl Hamilton, no longer with us. Craig Council's on the bench, and uh, Levering and Grindle. It, you know, my goodness, that's a pretty good run right there, isn't it? And the TV side is more limited, right? It's Brian Anderson and Bill Schroeder. Schroeder's been doing it since 1995. Matt LePay, Craig Kishon, Jerry Augustine, 
Telly Hughes, Sophia Minnert. Those that's the list of TV people going back uh, to the the early 1990s or mid 1990s. Anyway, uh, welcome in. We're going to visit with Tom Hardcourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online. He'll join us about 20 minutes past. We'll have a little hockey conversation later on because our huh? Twitter poll question is the greatest hockey movie of uh, all time. Okay. So we'll go to some experts on that as well. Um, so welcome in. Four o'clock hour of the show. My name's Mike Heller. That's John Audi. Say, hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? Here's what's trending. Trending sports news. What's going on? Did you catch WrestleMania over the... Nope. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not going to hey. talk about that. Come on. Stop it. And right what? now, I just made WrestleMania guy really mad. You other guys get it. I saw it on SportsCenter. Yeah, well, that was... I was on with uh, Zabin this morning. Were they talking WrestleMania? Stuff. No, that was my. That was what I got to whine about. It's, it's a, what are you whining about kind of a deal. Oh. And uh, that was it. Because it, it was really a sports center whine because the only reason they make it part of their um, sports centers, even when there's sports going on, is because they carry the product. Right? So anytime they carry the product, it's going to make its way into their sports centers, and it's on the bottom line. That's why the NHL screwed up so ridiculously bad all of those years ago when Gary Bettman and the NHL moved away from their deal with ESPN. The worst decision in the history of major pro sports in this country. You want coverage? You go to ESPN because they're going to cover what they have. Um, But uh, enough wrestling. Um, All right, so the big story in golf is, uh, well, one major tournament is gone. The others have been reshuffled. The Open Championship Royal St. George is gone. Supposed to be in mid-July. They can't do it any other time. It's been cut for the first time since, what, World War II, Mike? PJ Championship will be in early August. The, uh, what do we got here? The U.S. Open will be in mid-September, followed by the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits the following week. And then the Masters will be in uh, mid-November this year. Mike, your thoughts when you saw the reshuffled lineup of golf's majors? Um, well, at least at this point, from the way it's stacked up now, we're going to salvage the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, the Ryder Cup, and the Masters. If we did that, that's a pretty good deal given the current circumstances we're in. Um, so in that regard, um, I would say, okay, we're okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with it. And the other thing I thought of, which I said earlier in the show, is there's going to be a whole bunch. Right now, obviously, the sports drought, we get it. There are going to be a whole bunch of things going on in September and uh, in late August if everything goes as scheduled. We're going to have like NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, major championships, the NFL and college football. Like if everything goes perfectly and they're able to start their seasons, like we're going to be in sports overload mode. Um, but I, I do also like the idea of a unique – you're going to watch the Masters in November. That's going to be weird, but it's still going to be kind of cool, I think. And it's going to be going up against college football's like busiest month. Yeah, and uh, you know the final round of the Masters on an NFL Sunday afternoon, right? Yeah, so. on an NFL Sunday afternoon, exactly. You're, you're probably crossing your fingers, hoping the Tiger isn't in the final round and that the Packers aren't playing a major game at three o'clock. And you hope that the Packers uh, either have that as their bye week, or they play on that Monday night, or played on the Thursday. Yeah, you know that's kind of yeah. we're all going to kind of hope against hope that your team isn't playing. The late window on that Sunday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Because CBS won't have – CBS won't – how are they going to do that? Good question. Hmm. 
Good question. These are interesting times about how to reschedule and how you reshuffle the deck. Uh, Meanwhile, the NFL draft will be conducted in a virtual format. Virtual draft. I don't know why it's a robot with team personnel working from their homes. In a memo, the commish outlined procedures for the draft uh, with the guidelines of no group gatherings. So you're going to see clubs conduct their draft operations remotely, writes Goodell, with club personnel separated, lo- uh, separately located in their homes. Draft going to look kind of weird, Mike? Um, yeah, it is. It, it is. And I know, and we'll we'll do this with Chad Ryder coming up um I haven't talked to him about this, but but he's a friend of show, so I'm sure he'd be happy to do it. We'll do some in-depth looks at the draft with people that know it, it coming up. But what are we talking about? It's two. It's three weeks from. No, it's two April weeks 23rd. from Thursday. Two yeah. weeks from Thursday. So we're sitting at two, just over two and a half weeks, or about two and a half weeks out from the NFL draft, and yeah, it's gonna look different. But I don't think the intrigue will be different at all. And the draft, even though it's turned into a uh, a spectator event, it's not really a spectator event. It has nothing to do with the people in attendance. And to me, it has nothing to do with the player walking across the stage and bro-hugging the commissioner. That's the part I liked the least of the draft. I wanted to hear, as I'm watching the draft, now, John, you can correct me if, if you think I'm missing the boat here, but as I'm watching the draft, I wanted the analysis I wanted to hear the people who who are smart, even though I think they're going to be wrong a lot. I want to hear them talk about what just happened. I don't need to hear the perfunctory interview with the player that just got drafted and puts his hat on. He's going to say the same things. Well, you're going to get that still. They're just going to go to their Zoom meeting with that guy. So I think you're still going to get the part you don't like. But I, I would disagree with the fans. The fans aren't a huge part of it. But they're part of it. When they yeah. boo the commissioner, when they cheer, if it's in, uh, wasn't it in Philadelphia? Like, yeah, not too long ago, yeah. it was in Chicago. Yeah, something that like uh, the, those fan bases either booing or cheering. I think add a little bit of intrigue to the draft. It's Come minimal. On. Oh. What's wrong? Really? Yes. Come on, John. Are you Adius. kidding me? I mean, it's the dumbest Insta thing you've poll. said all day. Insta it poll. is the worst thing you have ever talked about on this show. <laughs> now you're just trying to create controversy in just, a world with no sports. You and I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> in a world with no sports, Mike Heller will create controversy wherever <laughs> he can. Um, all right, let's move on. All-decade team was released today. Uh, quarterbacks, here are the unanimous selections. Uh, quarterback Tom Brady, unanimous. There's one other quarterback on that list. I'll tell you who that is in just a second. Joe Thomas was unanimous. Adrian Peterson at running back was also unanimous. Um, one Green Bay Packer. He's at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers makes the all decades team. Hmm. What do you think of that, Michael? Well, he should, uh, you know, in the, in the 2010s, who was, uh, who was a better quarterback Drew than Tom Brees? Brady and Aaron Rodgers? Ever heard of Drew Brees? I have heard of Drew Brees, yes. And for the 2010s, from 2010 through 2019, the quarterback I think had the best run of time in there is Aaron Rodgers. Oh, because you're taking team success into account. I think that that's why Uh, Brady gets it. Aren't you the guy that says don't take team success into account? Which one are we talking about here? Uh, uh, Brees versus, well, not obviously, not Tom Brady. I just I just said that I would have Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady for how each of them performed from 2010 through 2019. 
I'm talking about Drew Brees over Tom or over uh, what's the other guy's name? Compare the numbers. Okay, let me run them Hold from on. from 2010 through 2019. I will for Breeze and Rogers or Breeze and put them Rogers? all put all three of them together okay, and I think the one that'll come out on top is Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean the we all know the reason Brady's there and his numbers are probably pretty dang good as well. Then he have that when was that fifty touchdown season? Well, Ooh, that keep was in mind that, that Rodgers has two um, predominantly missed seasons. He misses more than a full season combined on two of the years, but Brady missed a year two. Ran the numbers. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. <clears throat> Quarterback A. I don't do that. Just give us the name. Okay. Uh, Brady, 316 touchdowns, 80 picks, 43,000 yards, 122 and 34 record, if you want to count that. Why'd you just do that? I don't know. Can you write that down? Yep. Aaron Rodgers, 305 touchdowns, 63 interceptions, 38,000 yards, 96, 45, and 1. Record. How many total games between those two? Uh, 142 for Rodgers, 156 for Brady. It's almost a full season more. Yep. Uh, and then my boy, Drew Brees, 345 touchdown passes, 127 picks, 46,000 yards, and 95-58 record. And a Super Bowl. Or was yeah, that I, was that I, I'm going to still, I'm gonna still uh, take Aaron Rodgers out of the group. I think his uh, overall, if you put the touchdowns to interceptions, uh, and then you you know you do it per game, I think Aaron wins the the statistical matchup there. Breeze, uh, the, the reason I think he fails, John, is all of the interceptions. The value of that, the the possessions, is huge. So I, I don't think I'm wrong, uh, although I think it's very subjective. I don't think I'm wrong if I said the quarterback of the 2010s was Aaron Rodgers, not Tom Brady. It's really close. It's six of one, half a dozen of the other. But the sense that it's unanimous Brady, it's too many damn people taking too much damn consideration for too many damn wins. Keep going. When that's a quarterback stat. Come that on. Is a, that is not a quarterback stat. It is a coaching statistic. So what we do is we conflate the damn argument and we give credit to Tom Brady when that credit belongs to Bill Belichick. And Brady's great. Don't get me wrong. He is great. But if I were talking about just pure quarterback play, I would give the honor there to Aaron Rodgers, not Tom Brady. See, it's list season already, and Mike's fired up. Uh, maybe we can bring this up with Tom Hodercourt when he comes on the show here in a little really? bit. But did you hear Justin Turner's proposal for extra inning games, Mike? I, I won't do the disservice to bring that up with Tom Harder. I'm looking at it. His proposal, which he posted on Twitter last week, would allow games to go for 10 innings and then become the three best players on each team participating in a home oh. run derby to determine the winner of the game. Each hitter gets five outs. Okay, you have to pick one. How long has Justin Turner been in isolation? <laughs> and he says it's only for the 2020 season, by the way. It's the only way I, we're... I, I think he's been in isolation too long, and his, his thinking is messed up. It, also, is he in a dispensary state? Ah, uh, he is. Okay, so maybe there's a little Got thing. a great idea, bro! Hey, but here's... Okay. Let me finish his bag of Doritos first. How about this Instapol? You have to choose one, Mikey Baseball. Would you rather see 2020 games... In the season in 2020 season games either end in ties or have a home run derby to determine the winner 
That's you have to pick dumbest, one. No, honestly, no. honestly, it's the dumbest either or question you have ever just for ever the season come up with. Stop dodging the question and answer it. I will not answer that question. You have to pick one. Why not? I'm not going to answer that question. I'd rather have ties. I said it. You would not. You would. Oh, then a home run derby? Yes. Well, yeah, if you gave me an either-or, which I'm not going to answer the question, I, I might lean in that direction. Hmm. Uh, we're planning on visiting with Tom Hardrecord of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online, planning on having him join us when we come back. And if you would plan on being with us, we, we'd really appreciate it as we continue on the Mike Heller Show. On 1070 The Game of the iHeartRadio app. Continue on on a Monday afternoon. This is the Mike Heller Show. John Adius joins me, although we are distanced. Uh, in fact, I haven't seen John in two full weeks. Two weeks ago today, we worked out of the same studio. Since then, we have uh, been in our separate areas. You guys, I have a mustache. Oh, I didn't. You do. You told me you were doing that. I really do have a mustache. I got bored. Huh. I was like, you know what? No one's ever going to see me. I'm just going to rock a mustache for like a week. Yeah. All right. Well, Probably going to come awesome. off this week, though. Yeah. Really? Why? Why not just keep it until we're done? Just get, my, I was thinking it could be the Corona mustache, but then I don't know, man. Do I really want? Because I don't know. I might like touch my face a lot, which you're not yeah, supposed you to do. Yeah, you don't want to do that. All yeah. right. So uh, get there's rid of a it. medical reason not to do it. Uh, we welcome in Tom Hardcourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online, our Brewers and Baseball Insider. Tom, um, can I begin by uh, by asking you? your experiences and or time around Al Kaline, who we sadly announced passed away earlier today. Yeah, so sad to hear that. You know, he's of that generation um, that a lot of people considered the golden era of baseball when Mays and Aaron and all those guys were playing. If you go back, um, I, I know it's been a long time because they came in when I was born. That was definitely a long time ago, but if you Go back and look at some of these tops, like rookie cards and first, second-year cards in the 50s, mid-54, 55. You'll see K-Line and Mays and, and Aaron and all those guys kind of came in together. He was a great, great player. You know, whenever you're known as Mr. Anything, Mr. The Name of Your Team, and he was Mr. Tiger, <laughs> and this, and that's not a franchise that was born three you know decades ago. Right. Tiger's been Tiger's been around for a while. You know, one of the things that was cool about when the Brewers were in the American League was you know, Kaline was a longtime broadcaster, and 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 we had Ernie Harwell there for the longest time too. And so you had these two really classy people, Ernie Harwell and Al Kaline, that you would see. Every time you went to Tiger Stadium, and have you guys? Do either of you guys ever go to Tiger Stadium? I, I, I never had the pleasure. No, nope. I did not. No. Nope. Yeah, just one of those classic old ballparks. You know, right field um, uh, upper deck actually hung over the bottom of the field. You know, so that you could hit a like a fly ball, a towering fly ball, right, and the right fielder would be camped on the warning track, and they were to catch it, and it would. The front row of the upper deck actually it was over. It's uh, just a a crazy, didn't, you know, um, one of those. Did hey, Ben have a? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead the, what about the dugouts? Well, it's good. not the dugouts, but the bullpens were underground. Oh, I didn't <laughs> remember that? that. No. 
they were like, but they were like bunkers. It looked like you know the beach at Normandy. Expected somebody to crawl up and drop a grenade. You know, it's, uh, the, 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 their like heads were above ground, but they were seated like below ground. <laughs> in these like farm shelters. Yeah. But what are you going to say about? Well, I, I think I think Ogie, uh Ben Ogilvy had a huge night. Did he have a four homer night in Detroit? Or was that it just sounds, a... that sounds right. And boy, would he be the guy to do it too? You know, a left-hander who hit the ball in the air, left-handed hitter hit the ball in the air. So, but uh, yeah, just you know, as if it's bad enough that baseball shuts down and you, you lose a great guy. I saw him in an airport somewhere. I'm trying to think of where. Um, the last time I actually saw him, and I went over and said hi to him, introduce myself to him. Because he's one of those guys. First of all, you knew he's such a nice man and a classy guy that he was going to blow you off. Even an idiot like me, you know, could walk up to him. And, uh, and so I went up to him and said, and Tom Hodgecord, and he goes, oh, no, 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 not Mr. Kalen, please. And just had a nice talk. He's just the nicest man. So very, very, very sad to hear that. And I know uh, that's a big blow in the city of yeah, you know, I, we were talking as you talk about Tiger Stadium. I think uh, Ogilvy had a three homer game there. I'm looking it up, but I'll, I'll okay. find it. It's not the yeah. the the point I wanted to make. You you bring up the ballpark. I remember as I'm younger watching the Brewers play. Tiger Stadium was one of my favorite places to watch a game played yeah. at, and Toronto yeah. was perhaps my least favorite when they would play the outdoor games in Toronto, was that the worst ballpark, Tom, that you – and did Exhibition you cover games stadium? there? Yeah. Yeah, Exhibition Stadium, boy, it was brutal. It was – so it's an outdoor ballpark, and it was right on what – that would be Lake Ontario, right? Right, yeah. right on the lake. I mean, right on it. And when the wind blew uh, in off of the lake, and they were playing an April game there, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody wanted to be out there. The Brewers played like a, 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 a opening game there one year, and they scored like 15 or 16 runs. And I didn't know how they did it because I don't see how they could feel their hands. But that, uh, you yeah, know, it wasn't a baseball stadium. It was a, it was called Exhibition Stadium because I think it was like part of the fairgrounds or something out there. And you know, they probably used it for pig races or something, and then said, hey, we've got a baseball team out there. So, and they had the worst light. I mean, they, you played a game at near the, the time that the sun was setting. Like, you couldn't see yeah. anything from the third base side of the field, and it was just, uh, you know, and they played on artificial turf that was, like, super bouncy, and I just, I don't know, I just, it was one of those ballparks, and I never ha- had to go to it, but in watching, it would be the one I go, oh, I don't know if I want to watch from yeah. there. I was talking to uh, Robin Yell on the phone today. Uh, he was down in Phoenix. I put a call into him about a few things I'm working on, and we had not got the word yet that that Al had died. And I know he would have been sad to hear that because uh, uh, Al came up and cut of the same cloth as Robin Yell, or, or vice versa. Robin cut of the cloth of Al came on. Just class. He's just solid guy. Just always plugged away to 3,000 hits. So uh, yeah. I was talking to Robin about a lot of things. I was talking to uh, if he remembered his only season he ever played in the minor leagues. You know, Robin was drafted out of high school in 73. He was 17. And they sent him to the New York 10 League, one of those short season leagues. And, this was, and, and then he called up next year. It's an 18-year-old short season. I've never played another... Um, year in in the uh, 
minor leagues. And I was looking at the, he played for a team called the Newark Co-Pilots. But get this, it wasn't Newark, New Jersey. It was Newark, New York. This little town. Have have you ever heard of Newark, (laughs) New York? No, no, I have not. Well, look it up. I I think it's, they, they, even now, 12,000 people. (laughs) Robin says he's pretty sure there were no streetlights in town, just a couple of signs. And, um, I said, Robin, what do you do? You remember how bad that team was? She played on. You're gonna think I'm making this up. You, so the one year Robin Yao plays in the minor leagues, this guy's gonna go on to be a Hall of Famer and get three thousand hits. You know what the record was of the only minor league team you ever played for? You're gonna say. Let me just tell you this: they played seventy games. So I'll give you that head. Sorry, they played seventy games. How many do you think they won? Well, just by the way you're leading into it, I would say they won 23 times. Oh, they wished they were that good. (laughs) They wished they were that good. 15 and 55. Oh, we just lost Tom. Wow, he just hung up. What, what did I say that offended him so badly? Let me see if I can find him. I'll find out. Oh, man, I didn't mean to offend... um, some that he would just hang up on us and by the way um I, I am all wet on my i think i am on my ben ogilvy three home run game because i don't find him with the three home run game and i was you know how your memory plays tricks on you i was sure that that benji had a game at tiger stadium that he had um you know a three homer night and apparently at least not that i can find Okay, uh, Mike, I've got Tom. So, Tom, <laughs> I don't know we why I said to, to make you angry. We got – you know, there's been a lot of times where I've been thankful when I've dropped the call from you, Mike, honestly. You know, <laughs> you're just not having a good day. But No, just kidding. Most um, days. But we got to finish that. So, so, did you hear what I said the record was of the team? Well, um, no, because you, know? you had me guessing. I said 23, and you said you they you wish that they wished that they were that good. So, then I said 15 and 55, and we lost you. What was their record? Fifteen and fifty-five. It was I thought, you okay. it I thought you looked it up real quick. No, I was just <laughs> when twenty-three was too high. I just went down. So, so get this: uh, like most of the lower minor leagues, they played two halves. And Robin said, "Tom, we got really hot in the second half and won twelve <laughs> games." And I said, wait, "Whoa, wait a minute, what? Robin! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You won twelve games in the second half. You're telling me?" In the first half, in 35 games, you went 3-32. and 32. He goes, yeah, we weren't very good. Wow. I said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I said, how did you not quit and go home? <laughs> I would think that that would have been a, a real thought at some point. Wow, I, don't, I didn't think you could be that bad. Um, yeah, that, that's it's crazy. Hard, it's hard to only win three games in half. It really is. You can luck your way into a couple more than that. Um, so I don't mean to make this about uh, about you know the people in our industry or more specific in your industry, but we're in a wave of furloughs right now. So um, yeah. you know what's yeah. going on, Tom? Give us a, a little thumbnail sketch of what's going on in your industry. Well, first of all, this isn't like the the military when you're furloughed with pay. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, and you're no actually, and it's actually like a joyous occasion. <laughs> no, it's um, no, we're you know we're the journal Sentinel's part of the Gannett chain, and 
the net um, recently announced the furloughs. You know, um, the newspaper industry was will be nice and say struggling before coronavirus. <laughs> so we didn't really need any help <laughs> in in uh, in having further trouble. So um, yeah, so we're having we're you know we're each each writer there is going to be. Uh, um, I say each writer. I mean, maybe every employee at the paper. I don't know. But uh, for at least the second quarter of the year, we're going to have a one furlough, one week furlough each month. So you'll be happy to know mine's next week. So you won't have to throw <laughs> any stupid stories from me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um... I, I did. I don't know if you follow me on Facebook, but I posted a Facebook post today of pictures around my neighborhood and. The saver at home has led to what I consider an extraordinary amount of yard work for this time of year, <laughs> especially <laughs> over here by the lake where it's about minus 119 degrees every day. Um, but that's all you have to do is yard work, right? <laughs> yeah, what else What else are you going to do? By the way, can I ask you the question? You, you live close to the lake. What's the right. best time of year to be close by the lake? Because it seems to me there are too many times when I've gone over there in late May and June, and it's beautiful, 81 degrees somewhere where I'm coming right. from, and I get by the lake and it's 59 and foggy. Yeah, yeah. The, what's the best time to be like? Well, we like the peak summer period from August 3rd to August 4th. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it really gets nice over here by the lake. And uh, I, I can't, all kidding aside, I cannot tell you how many times we have invited, like, friends from Wauwatosa, which is, you know, just on the other side of town, but the west side of town, over for, like, you know, a cookout on our deck. And they show up in, in like, you know, a polo shirt and shorts. And we've got on, like, a winter jacket and a knit hat. And we're looking yeah. at them like, what in the hell do you think is going on here? Well, and for those and of us who are, <laughs> yeah, for those of us who are unfamiliar, you know, my son Jackson would play some baseball tournament games over there by the lake. And the first few times that I went over, I had no idea. I just hadn't been to the lakeshore enough times to realize, yeah. even though it's it's eighty three degrees in Madison, that you've right. got to you got to go prepared for it to be fifty five or sixty degrees and foggy or cloudy, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Two, two things make all the difference in the world over here on the lake side of town: the sun and the wind. If the sun's out and there's no wind, it, it can feel quite pleasant out, almost like you know, a real place on Earth. Um, but um, when the wind's coming off the lake and the sun's gone out, which is what's going on right now, earlier today it was very bright and sunny, and right now it's gotten very overcast, and the wind's off the lake. And it's an unusual, like 10 or 15 degrees in, in an hour or two. So you, we, we're, we may have all four seasons here in Bayside today, all yeah. four seasons in one day. That's crazy. Uh, Tom, we, we always thank you, so we appreciate it. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, we will talk again. I don't know if we can okay, talk while you're on furlough work. or not. We'll figure it out. Uh, not about work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tom. See you guys. <laughs> Tom Hardercourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS Online. We've got to get to our hockey movies of all time. Twitter poll question and a special guest. We're late getting to it, but we'll get to it. 
Gary Shuchuk will join us on the other side. This is the Mike Heller Show. On 1070, the game of the iHeartRadio app. All right, a quick uh, correction update, and I had some help on this. Uh, but Ben Ogilvy had at least two three-home run games against the Detroit Tigers, one in Milwaukee, that was in 1979, and another one in 1982 at Detroit, in which he homered three straight at-bats. Hey, your memory was right. Yeah. Your brain right. worked. Happen very often. No. Uh, Congrats, that was, man. Uh, in June of 1982 that he homered uh, against the same pitcher, which is hard to do. For three straight at bats, he's <laughs> usually they're going to take him out. Jerry Uder, U J D U R, and that was uh, June twentieth, nineteen eighty-two. Three straight homers, a three-homer game. Gary Shuchuk joins us on the program. Hi, Gary. How are you? I'm doing fine, Mike. Yourself? I'm doing good. I, I was asking. I wanted you to come on because. I think we can get a uh, a version of this conversation from you that we just can't get from others because we're talking about the greatest hockey movie of all time, and I think we have a unfair bias towards Miracle because of Mark Johnson and because you know, I mean, the USA won Olympic gold that year. It's in like the last greatest sporting moment in this country <laughs> ever. Yeah. Might be the great. So, yeah. what, what's the best hockey movie of all time? Wow. Come on, Mike. I don't think I need to tell you what it is, do I? Well, I mean, I know it's Slapshot, right? Well, there you go. End the conversation, right? Well, that was Hang quick. Thanks for joining us, <laughs> yep. Gary. It's yep. always Thanks. good to visit you with guys, Gary Shuchuk. You guys stay safe, and uh, we'll talk again. So one of the cool things about talking to Gary is that they're right. We cut to the chase. We're in and out. And Gary Shuchuk, his time on the program, brought to you by Hockey Night in Canada. All right, Mike, Wolf. did you see this uh, NFL thing? <laughs> Just move on. No, we guess that. I'm still here, guy. You can't. Oh, he is. You're not losing me that easily. I'm right here. All right. Um. So, do you do you remember what? Like, how old were you when Slapshot came out? You must have been like in the fifth Uh, grade. Slapshot came out, I believe, in 1977. I was ten. Okay. So. So, Yeah. 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 You were. You were in the fifth grade. Um. Ish. Yeah. So. So it was. It was. It was something we had to do as a family. We watched it in front of a TV. It was like we came home and we watched it together. <laughs> so which one of the Hanson brothers were you? I was Oglethorpe. Ogie. Ogie Oglethorpe. Yeah, that was me. So, is there yeah, a close... It's a classic movie. Yeah, is there a close second? You know, because honestly, Miracle is a Disney movie, so it's not really a hockey movie because, I mean, there's no language or anything. I mean, Slapshot is that's minor league hockey at its best. Is there is there a close second? You know, if you, you know, from the information you saw, you know, I went back and was thinking about different movies. Like You, you pointed out a movie that Youngblood that uh, Rob Lowe was a star right. of. I yeah. don't know if you've ever seen it, but it was actually a not a bad movie. It wasn't. And I, I didn't know. This guys didn't know that. Keanu Reeves. I knew this for a fact. Keanu Reeves in the movie. He played a goaltender. But it's all. It's more about junior hockey of, of lifestyle. And there's a scene in there with the water bottle. So it's pretty good. Yep. Rent so, it. You'll find out what I'm talking about. I, I do. I do remember it. Never and, seen it. Um, 
Didn't he have an issue? Was his dad and uh, was his dad an issue in that movie? Like, um... yeah. Well, there's a lot of dad issues in movies, but this one, yeah, he just wanted, <laughs> he didn't want his he didn't want his son to go away and play hockey because his brother tried and his brother wasn't any good, and so he just did. He went off and left and ended up on a team, and I believe Patrick Swayze was the main character as well. So I was that one. Wow. So Keanu, so, Ke- Rob Lowe, Keanu Reeves, and Patrick Swayze are all in Young Blood. All in Young Blood. Yep. Dang, dang. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, I can't remember who played the girl in the movie, but uh, yeah, there's a nice. She was a, she was a Rob Lowe's built sister. So they, you just be careful where I'm, you're I'm going not here. Anything. Huh? Sounds like you. Yep. It sounds like you uh, are really into those uh, '80s hockey movies or late '70s hockey movies. Is there uh, is That's there the one time you came up? I, I mean, I, I think the other movie, the hockey movie, was Mighty Ducks. And I know this yeah. one for a fact came out like in '92 because that's when the NHL Mighty Ducks came out. And the movie actually grossed enough money to pay for the uh, Anaheim Ducks uh, expansion fee into the NHL. I think the expansion fee was like $32 million and I think the Mighty Ducks movie grossed $40 million or something. So it actually made the movie. They paid for the expansion fees. It was actually smart business by Disney. So when you watch back on the Charlestown Chiefs and you, you rewatch Slapshot, uh, how much of that, do you think was replicating what happened in minor league hockey in the seventies? Yeah, it's funny because a good friend of mine, Rick Dorman, played during that time in, in that league, and a lot of that stuff happened. And it's it's crazy. It just it just what what it was about. Like like all the guys who were in that movie, like Oglethorpe and and uh, you know the Hanson brothers, you know Steve Carlson <laughs> yeah. and his brother. You know those are all minor league pro guys actually played in it. And then that's that that's what it all based on. And that's that's the kind of the scary part is is the stuff they happen is I, I know for a fact like like Bruce Boudreau, the go, the coach of the former my former coach of the Minnesota Wild, he was in that that movie and then he was one of my teammates and we sat around one time, we were just talking about Slapshot and he just said it was crazy. The the, the writers and the producers would come in, go to the hockey real hockey guys were were, were ta- hanging out asking for some stories, they go back, they write part of the script, and they go, and they did it. That's what they kind of did part of the, uh, the hockey stuff. They just want to know exactly what happened, and they kind of went to the real hockey player guys who were on, on the movie set, and they listened to some of their stories and made Slapshot. I mean, it is it is a dark movie, but uh, it, but it was, I, I, I talked, you know, when I've talked to you guys over the course of time, um, I could see Slapshot being... You know, um, fairly realistic. Yeah, it's embellished uh, to to a certain extent. By the way, Cynthia Gibb is the actress you were thinking about in Youngblood. Thank you, thank right? you. Well, I, I just know from my junior days uh, playing, like being on that bus, you know, going into some of these small towns on a bus, and you know, all there is is the, the fans love their hockey. So I remember, I remember driving into uh, up in Alberta. You know, getting our getting our bus was getting aged and getting garbage thrown on it. We had a really good hockey team, but it was just like you know, all yeah. the sixteen year old kids playing junior hockey. I was scared to death, and guys were just laughing, going, "Well, here we go, boys, get ready to go." Playing up in Fort McMurray in Alberta, just it's a, a mining town. There's nothing to do up there but you know, go watch junior hockey. And you know, these guys are playing minor pro, pro for nothing, and you know, it's it's it's, it's slap shot. It's it's what the hockey is all about. Kind of like Bull Durham, uh, John. Have you seen Slapshot, John uh, Adius? 
I haven't seen Slapshot. No. Okay, it, it is like a bold, it's like Bull Durham for hockey. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, I, I understand the concept. No, I just have never gotten around to it, Gary. Maybe maybe I should tonight. <laughs> well, <laughs> not with Avi. I want I want to be with you. I want to be with you and watch Slapshot <laughs> together. That'd be right? that'd be a great idea. All right. After the uh, whole uh, COVID stuff, you can come over. <laughs> I'm I'm holding you to it. We'll, we'll, we'll FaceTime the whole thing. You know what? I think we'll get good ratings for it. I think you'll really enjoy my company watching that oh, movie. I, oh, no I will. Doubt. I want the commentary no. by Gary Shuchuk. <laughs> no well, doubt about yeah, that. I think you just developed a winner there, Gary. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the Ogie Oglethorpe interview is classic. Um, so let me let me ask you a question. I was referring to this earlier. I thought that the biggest mistake that the National Hockey League has made in its in the in the 21st century, and I don't even know when it happened. When did they cut ties with ESPN? When did Gary Bettman and that whole deal not happen with ESPN? You know, I don't think it's been that long. You know, I, I think that's probably one of the worst things they did. I thought they were terrible. trying to go. It's horrible. I mean, they they they, they thought they're going whatever route they're going with NBC, whatever they, they thought they'd go to more households, and I, I think it kind of backfired on them. I think that. Uh, ESPN was was a great avenue to, to 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 show the product of hockey to so many people, and it just it's a shame. I mean, I, I was really disappointed when that happened. I think I was actually still playing when that happened, and it's like it, it it kind of it kind of set the the game back. I, I think in, in the public size, you know, five maybe five ten years even further. I think a lot of people lost interest after that happened. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, Barry Melrose, and I know he's a buddy of yours, he's done a great job of trying to keep it, um, you know, front and center at ESPN, but because they don't carry the product, it will never be front and center at ESPN. I think a tragic mistake in the National Hockey League. Uh, Gary Shuchuk, we we always appreciate getting a chance to spend some time with you. I I hope you and Michelle and the family are doing great, uh, and I hope we can catch up in person very soon. I, I can't wait. That's the same to you and all you listeners. Hope you guys are all staying safe and keeping distance. And you know what, Mike, I'm going to hold it to you. I'm going to head to your, your wine bar when this is all done. All right. You're invited. Uh, and just let me know when you're coming uh, so I can make sure that I leave before you get here. Gary Shuchuk. I know that. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Gary Shuchuk, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, he is a good friend and a great man. Uh, good to talk with Gary. We've got another hour yet to come. We'll update that Twitter poll question, which Gary, you know, should swing the boat, but it's not going to happen. Miracle's going to win the boat. We'll get back to that in a couple of minutes. Stick around. This is the Mike Heller Show. On 1070, the game of the iHeartRadio app. Send a tweet at Mike Heller Show. Now, alongside John Audius, here's Mike Heller. And into the 5 o'clock hour we go. Uh, There is breaking news news. Not sports news, but breaking news news uh, that obviously they're covering at the station next door, 1310 WIBA. But breaking news, Wisconsin Supreme Court blocked Governor Eber's order to shut down Tuesday's election. So, you know, the whole politics of politics, 
I tweeted out. I made a mistake, John. Hey, by the way, John Oddie's with me. Hi, John. How are you? Uh, is this where I do the thing? Because I'm ready. No, no, no oh. not yet. Okay. Um, hey. Hey, I, I, I made a mistake, uh, and I do this occasionally on the Twitter where I'm not trying to be political, but the tweet comes off as political, and the, the, the responses go wacko. Uh, they they get all crazy. I tweeted something. I'm I'm going to paraphrase it. Something like on Friday night that I hate the politics of COVID. It's got no place in it. I don't want to hear it. And then of course somebody says, "Oh, you don't want to hear that? You should hear Nancy Pelosi." Well, Mike, I didn't know that you were such a Trump supporter. Or <laughs> blah blah. You know, Sorry. it can go in all different directions. Yeah. And I I blocked like six people. And I also said. You misunderstood. I don't want politics in my COVID conversation, and I get that it can't. You cannot escape it. But to me, this is non-political. <laughs> so I made the mistake. I should just keep my thoughts to myself. But in this case as well, now on the breaking news that the Supreme Court rules that the governor cannot postpone Tuesday's presidential primary. Um, you just get this jumping right back into the forefront. Uh, the uh, non-political COVID stuff. COVID stuff. Uh, when I was keeping tabs on the uh, the news networks, the cable news lasted about a week, and yeah, then it was, started creeping yeah. in with little commentary. And now it's their full force. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, I don't care about that commentary. Get back to the other stuff. And then it kept creeping in even more. I'm like, well, that's not totally true. Let me go to the other guy. Well, these guys are awful too. Let me go to this, and then I said, "All right, I'm done. You don't want yeah. to do the COVID stuff? Fine, screw you. I'm out." You know, I've said this a few times, either on well, I don't know how many times I've said it on the air, but I've said it off the air a ton that I that I asked somebody in the and I'll leave it alone as far as who is who it is, but I asked somebody in the news medium. I said, "If you just landed here from a, another planet, where would you go to get news?" that is unbiased, that doesn't have a political leaning, that just reports what it is and leaves the opinion side completely out. And he said, Mike, that hasn't existed since the late 1960s. Fun. <laughs> There's no place. I, I constantly strive to find where do I go to get a non-political view of the news and it doesn't exist. Well, you, number one, don't find it on Twitter. Because well, with no, Twitter, the, com- the running commentary follows. Right, it's like the I'm comment section that, back of the day of forums. I'm asking the question about the, the television. That's really That was yeah. really the, the genesis of my question. Mm. And the answer is you can't. doesn't exist. So I, I don't know what to do. So... In any case, um, I don't mean to get off track. By the way, get ready for the the COVID stuff to ramp up once we get a little bit a little bit closer to uh, November. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, talk, all you, of, you're it, sick the, of it now. Wait till it gets spun around a thousand times in a few months. Yeah, the history of it will come back oh, full force when absolutely. when we get to the final uh, semblance of, of trying to decide who's going to run our country moving forward. Uh, and can I be any less? Can I straddle so people aren't? You're gonna be angry at me that I'm this side or that side. I'm no side. I'm just this. I'm just me. Um, anyway, so welcome into the five o'clock hour of this Monday edition. And there, this has been kind of a newsy day 
in sports, again, without games, but it's been kind of newsy. And the person that handles stuff when we get kind of newsy is John Otis. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? Here's what's trending. That's weird. Do you hear that? What's up? Kind of had a, like, a little what's up. It's it, weird. It, yeah, I don't know why I did that. Uh, we'll start with golf, Mike, where the PGA is shuffling its major lineup. And then, well, we also find out that the British Open, as I'm going to call it, not the Open Championship, because whatever. The British Open got canceled. It was set for mid-July. It's gone for the first time since World War II. We found out today the U.S. Open will move to mid-September. That'll be followed right by the uh, the next weekend, right, by the Ryder Cup. It'll also be the PGA Championship in early August and then the Masters in mid-November. Mike, Golf has shuffled up its majors, and, I mean, I'll take what I can get, I guess. Yeah, so you, you begin with the, the real sense of, of what the major championships look like the first full weekend of August, um, and then you get the U.S. Open late September, or the week before the Ryder Cup, which is late September, and then the Masters middle of November. Um, it, all of this will go head-to-head and compete with what we get from uh, college football and the National Football League. The only one that won't go head-to-head in that vein will be the PGA Championship, which essentially stays right at its home in um, you know where it used to be in early August and essentially unopposed by the other sporting events that we pay attention to. But, yeah, the U.S. Open, the Ryder Cup, and the Masters all on significant uh, NFL and college football weekends. But, you know, we'll get that sports overload. Won't we be happy to have a sports overload? Do not, John, mark me. Do not let me complain about there's too much going on. If I do that, just turn my mic off and say, that's it, you're suspended. Okay, uh, excellent. I will probably with end pay. up suspending you. With, my guess with is, with pay, uh, my guess is I will suspend you probably in September. Probably okay. around the U.S. Open, when it's the U.S. Open and college football and the NFL and Major League Baseball and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, my Mike, you're suspended because you yeah. just complained about all the cool things happening right yep. now. Good point. Uh, the NFL says they're going to go all virtual, a virtual draft uh, April 23rd through the 25th. And they've also made sure that clubs will conduct their draft operations remotely with club personnel separately located in their homes. So it's also going to kind of look weird, I think, Mike, for people watching when they go to the Skype connection or the video connection of, you know, Joe Burrow or some of the first-round draft picks, and it's just going to be kind of weird, don't you think? Yeah, I I would have preferred – I would prefer that if they're going to do this that they would not try to – gum up the works with all the player interviews. I know some people get a kick out of that. I don't know why I'm not one of those people because I know the player is going to say all of the same things that every player has said when they've been drafted. So I'm not a big fan of the going to Joe Burrow's um, living room with a camera on him to, to have him answer some of the questions from Rich Eisen. Right. I think a lot of that stuff's going to look familiar, obviously, because in the later rounds, that's what we see, right? We see guys get drafted and they're sitting in their house with their family. And so that part of it isn't going to be much different, really. I don't think you'll notice much of a, a difference. But what is kind of kind of be weird, and I know you also don't like the fans of the draft. You said that earlier. 
And, and that's fine. I don't like it. Yeah, you don't. You're like, I don't care about. Them. Maybe you well, don't care. Well, doesn't add. I don't. It doesn't add anything. And I to think. Me. And I think it overall doesn't add, but maybe just a little bit, especially when they boo the commissioner. I always think that's fun. And or they cheer wow. or boo like the hometown fans, or they show Jeez. that shot of Jets fans after the Jets draft whoever they're going to wow, draft. You love all the negative. No, I mean that's just the fun part of the draft to me. Is all of those were negatives. Well, it's, it's part of the fun of the draft for me is to watch like that shot of like that group of Jets fans. You know fans what I love the most booing. about the draft is when the fans boo. <laughs> yes, when they boo Goodell. Why do you watch? Oh, I love watching people boo. <laughs> I just like watching all the fans boo and you know flip off the camera and everything. Um, wow. I don't know how often that happens, but I think so that part I'm going to kind of miss, to be honest. Okay. All right. I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. Can I be honest? Well, the NFL all all decade often. team was released. That's the 2010s, the 10s. Uh, Tom Brady Unanimous selection at quarterback. The only other quarterback for the all-decade team, Aaron Rodgers. Can I? Okay, so this is just me rekindling the old, and I don't think it's dumb, but my old argument. How in the world is Brady unanimous? How in the world would Brady not be unanimous? (laughs) What are you talking about? He's the greatest quarterback that's ever played in the National Football League to many. Of course he's going to be unanimous. Yeah, to many. Well, to most, aren't we going to separate out his just just his play? But okay, but to most people, he is. So you got to be realistic, and when looking at unanimous selections, of course, Tom Brady's going to be. And it's not like he wasn't great during the I'm last ten years. I'm not saying he wasn't great. So I'm, those two I'm things combined. That there are for... too many people that are going to combine. Well, he won all the Super Bowls. Well, he didn't win all, but you know what I mean. Again, we we get taken down this path of misinformation of conflating the argument, of determining that the argument is aided and maybe led by Super Bowls one, and that's not a quarterback stat. I'm, well, I'm going to go to my grave and I'm going to die on this island. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm the, I'm, there aren't many people on this island, but I'm one of them, and I'm going to die there. I mean, there are three Super Bowls in the 10s, in the 2010s for Brady, but it also is the 316 touchdowns to 43,000 yards. I mean, there uh, are he, some things that he did under center that so, were pretty good. So in 14 more games than Aaron Rodgers, he threw 11 more touchdowns and 17 more interceptions. And won three Super Bowls. Won Rodgers, won one Super Bowl. Okay. Again, you're bringing that. I'm just that's saying. That's your second damn argument, John. Just saying. Well, the behind, second point you go to. I had touchdowns and oh, I had yards. Oh, your touchdowns and yards and then Super Bowls. If you Bowls. wanted to do quarterback record, but I don't think you wanted me to go well, there. What if you did quarterback rating? Uh, ninety nine point six for and Brady. Rogers. Rogers up. Hold on. Okay, he's gonna search for it. Ninety nine point six on my Tom favorite Brady. station. Ninety nine six. Uh, hold on. Let me go. Classic rock. That rocks. That rocks. Um, and uh, we don't even have one of those in in the market. Uh, not not a ninety six point six. Okay, hold on. The the computer is calculating. Okay, well, and it dealt, we'll do that. Rogers is gonna have a. Better rating. I got to refresh. Yeah, probably. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, but that doesn't count. Just throw that. Nobody understands that anyway. Okay, how about uh, touchdown to interception ratio? Well, how about total touchdowns? Okay, then I'll give you the total touch. How about touchdowns per game? Mike, I'm going to help you. How about MVPs during that time? Uh, uh, well, Rodgers has two. Rogers. Yeah, so Rodgers is um, four points higher in a quarterback rating in the same period of time. But again, people will fall back on the lazy, tired argument of Super Bowl wins is a quarterback stat, and it isn't. It isn't. It is not a quarterback statistic. 
your boy made the all-decade team, and you're still finding something to complain no, about? No, what, what I found was that the unanimous part of it is the the lazy, old, tired, dumb argument. Anyway. Uh, Brady won an a, uh, MVP in 2010. So there's also a Brady MVP in there as well. Um, what else we got for you, Mike? Oh, did you see the NBA is considering a horse competition with players from obviously remote areas, probably their home gyms? Will you be watching NBA horse compete competition so, in whenever it is this? What month? you're saying is that the NBA was listening to the show, probably uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this. It takes time to put it together, and we weren't the only ones talking about it. But I think it'll work, and, and I think they'll find creative, uh, interesting ways to do it and intersperse. Um, interview you know conversation parts of the discussion you know of the of the whole broadcast it'll work it'll be a good thing honestly it probably should have been done sooner like i i I think seriously the second the league shut down the smart people should have gotten together and said okay looks like this is going to be 30 days what can we do in the meantime video games blah 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 horse competition this and that like why do we have to wait like a month for this? I understand it takes time, but you just set up some cameras. Hey, Steph, shoot a weird shot. Okay, now LeBron, this is what Steph did. Tried to do that. Like, it's going to be fun. I think I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. I just don't know why it's taking so long. Well, there are going to be people that don't think it's worth its while. I just saw a tweet from Marcellus Wiley that he, he said, hell no. Nah. Just disappear from the sport. Come back when you're at full throttle. I'm not, uh, I'm not liking this. I don't think I'm going to tune in. <laughs> Good. Then don't tune in. I think it's pretty fun. I think it's cool that sports leagues are trying to figure out a way to keep us entertained. Well, if if I have a choice, okay, give me the choice, John. Uh, you go ahead and ask me this question. Say, Mike, would you rather watch episode five of Tiger King or a game of horse between pick your two NBA stars? Mike, would you rather watch episode five of Tiger King or a game of horse between... Steph Curry and LeBron James. I'm watching Steph and LeBron in that game of horse, and I don't know if I'll ever see episode five of Tiger King. You've I, given I've, up I've on only Tiger seen King? I, I've, I've seen three, and I'm not back to it. I had a buddy of mine, Zach, and, and his wife, Courtney, who said, did you ever watch Goliath? And I said, no, and now I'm watching Goliath, and I'm really liking I don't even know what you're talking about. Goliath? Yep. I think I have. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't think I'd like it. And almost um, immediate, well, not immediately, but by the end of episode one, I was hooked. What streaming platform can uh, one find that on, Mike? Goliath would be on Prime. Hmm. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. Um, but more, you're, you're burying the lead here. You're, what are, is, you, are you not going to finish Tiger King? I'm sure I'll finish it. I think we're going to have time for that to happen. Uh, so yes, I'm sure I will finish it. I finished it. It was fine. I guess there's a new episode coming out, like a never-before-seen one that they're going to drop from Netflix. I don't know. Such, it, it was so popular that they said, hey, let's piece together one more or something. So like now, that. That you're, now that you're complete with Tiger King, what would you say to somebody who hasn't seen it? Would you say, <clears throat> oh, my God, you got to watch this. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna end up loving it. Yeah, because I think this has really fallen into a, a couple of camps. It's love it and like it. I don't think a lot of people hate it. Like, I don't think you hate it. I mean, you, if you hated it, I don't think you would have made it four episodes. Well, there's an obligation to watch it. Okay. It was well, part of it. I guess yeah. a lot of times it's either, oh, people love it or they hate it. I don't think there's a lot of hate. So I would, if someone asked me, hey, you watched Tiger King, right? I haven't done that yet. Should I? I'm going to say yes, because I think overall, 
it's going to be fine. You're going to like it. You're going to, well, not like it, but you're going to be entertained by it. And there's that, that, um, chance that you're going to love it because a lot of people are like, I can't believe how crazy the, the private zoo industry is. You know what I mean? I can't believe these crazy characters that they just gave me. So I think a lot of people love it. I would recommend it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's my just bottom line. Just wanted to know. And that's what's going on. And now I'm going home. Can I go home? What do we no, got No, you cannot. You cannot go home. Uh, well, I want to jump back into the movie thing and, and get a little bit deeper into that and some other things that are affiliated with it. And then at the bottom, can we bring back a little bit of Jeff Levering from earlier today? Yeah, and also coming up next, one MLB player has an idea for extra innings this oh. upcoming season that I think a lot of you are going to love. No, you do not. Somebody will love it. But maybe the guy that said it. Uh, we'll get to that as well as we continue. You're listening to The Mike Heller Show. On 1070 The Game and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. It is the Mike Keller Show. John Audius with you. I have no idea what Mike's doing. I think he forgot that he's doing a show this hour. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we'll have uh, a little bit of, in case you missed it, with Jeff Levering of the Brewers Radio Network. He joined the show for a couple of segments in the 3 o'clock hour. Hey, Mike, remember hey, the show? You, yeah, you did back? you need me uh, here? I thought that you had this <laughs> and then we were going on from that point. Oh, sorry. Um, all right, so we did have the vote for the Twitter poll for the all-time hockey movie. You know, this is all going to end up setting up is a Twitter poll tournament for the greatest sports movie of all time. All right, so already we've advanced on Hoosiers and Remember the Titans and Major League. So those are the winners for basketball, football, and baseball movies. And it appears that Miracle is going to not quite double up, but well outdistance Slapshot as the greatest hockey movie. Okay, so you know we're going to go on from this, and we're going to do the miscellaneous. We're going to get to boxing. There's going to be a golf. Uh, we're going to do fishing uh, with grumpy old men, and a river runs through it, and Jaws. Um, those are going to be in that list. So, And when it's all said and done, we're, then we're going to have this uh, epic tournament uh, that we're going to try and make last uh, for weeks uh, just just to get to the final to finish line. Now, remember, when you're voting for the greatest, the GOAT of the movies here, when we get down to that, you can't use any awards won, like championships won for quarterbacks. You just can't use that oh, don't in your even, criteria. Hey, 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 hey. It has hey. to be based solely on what? You knock it off. That, what you're doing there Academy is irresponsible. Awards, Nickelodeon. That, that's irresponsible. can't use any of that. You just have to judge it straight Oh, okay. Of- so did I tell you that you couldn't use MVPs when talking about the quarterback position? Oh, is MVP oh, the equivalent oh. of an Academy Award, or huh. is winning an Academy Award like winning the World Series? No, it, it is an award or that's won Bowl. based on performance, individual performance. Oh, so what would be the what would be the championship then? Uh, that would be best movie, and that would be earned by the director, not one of the actors. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. now so, now we're so striking a chord. Oh, because we're judging this based on just the actors and not the anything else. It's just oh, the so actor. It, it's not who correct. wrote it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's so, just all who delivered it. Well, John, when you oh. win a super when you win a Super Bowl, who gets Okay, so when you win best movie. Yeah. 
So when uh, let me uh, Titanic wins best movie, right? Sure. So did Leo get the credit? Oh, or did James, James Cameron. Cameron got the credit? Oh, so Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Oh, I see. I see what you're doing. So because but, Belichick is is James Cameron, right? I, I guess I'm just Brady trying to say Leo. I'm just trying to say since we're talking about the goat, we cannot include any whatever your your equivalent is to a championship. Just don't include that. Like when you're voting, that's all I'm saying. Like whatever, if Mike wants no, to say no, that that's you, an equivalent, you led me, you led me down the perfect equivalent, and, and I think I won that round of the, of the discussion as well. <laughs> oh, now we're we're, we're uh, scoring oh, yeah. rounds. Yeah. yeah, there are rounds of our to greatest this. movie yeah. conversation. Correct. Okay. All right. I'll write that down. Mike. Wins. Well, this wasn't th- th- that round is one about the greatest quarterback conversation. And here, let me yeah, can because, I go back real on quick, this. Real quick, real quick, because because, yes, I, although I do agree with you, just like in the quarterback argument that um, I agree with you in this whole quarterback thing. I'm just trying to take shots at you because it's fun and there's no sports going on. But but sure. But sure. Leo. Leo. Yeah. Leo is not at all recognized with Titanic. You're right. It is all James Cameron. <laughs> no one. No one equi- equates. uh Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio with that movie at all. Or Kate Winslet. Winslet? Yes, correct. See? Yeah. So you're right. No one ever, you know, gives credit I to Leo. I can't tell if you're movie. being dumbly sarcastic or if you're being dumbly <laughs> No, you're real. right. You're right. No one ever gives credit. Like, I don't give credit, but no one else does. Oh, boy. So you're right. Um, you win that round because no one else gives credit to Leo Nutter. Leo Nutter. Why can't I say his name? Uh, that's why I went Leo. Leo. No one gives credit to Leo for the By success By the way, you know what movie. I haven't, I, I, and I've got it recorded now, but, you know, I still haven't seen um, his uh, movie, uh, the Hollywood movie that won so many of the awards. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I've got it recorded, and I still haven't sat down. You know what it is? The problem is, is it's like two hours and 40 minutes long. Ooh. Yeah, that's too long. You know, I don't have any problem with watching back-to-back-to-back episodes of Ozark, <laughs> which is three hours. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I've got a problem with devoting two hours and 42 minutes to a movie. Because it gives you an out after about 50 minutes. It's like, you sure? You want to keep yeah. going? Like, yeah, I'll keep going. Right. Um, the movie doesn't do that. That's the same reason I haven't watched The Irishman. Oh, The Irishman is, is almost painfully long. I yeah. watched it on a football road trip. That we were someplace that I didn't care if I didn't uh, leave once we got there. And uh, so I ended up watching it. I don't know where that was. I, I think it might have been at Ohio State. And we stayed in a place where you know, I went for a run. But other than that, there was no reason to leave. That's why I'm staying away from it. Because a lot of people have said, it's really long. <laughs> like It is. It is super long. Yeah. So I get it. I get why you don't want to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. Uh, no, but I do. I want to watch it. I just I have a hard time, you know, setting out two hours and forty minutes, and and I'm I think I'm the only one at home that wants to watch it, and we've got kind of a full house right now. So, um, yeah, and you, you know, here's the other thing. I don't know if this has been the case with you or not, but I think we're busier now. There's more stuff going on now than there was before we were, you know safer at home i've been telling people this especially that first or second week is you know we were doing eisen we were double dipping six hours of radio a day i'm like this is the busiest i've been <laughs> like doing everything else for my job and then doing extra shows and there's no sports but we're still talking about sports because there's still sports storylines happening and that's the one other thing 
that I, I try to point out to people is like just because there aren't games doesn't mean that the all decade team doesn't come out doesn't mean that the draft isn't carrying on no and those things actually take more time um to to really get into and, and to have well formulated that's why we don't have well formulated arguments uh <laughs> because it, it, it really does take if you're going to get into the all decade teams there's a lot of work that goes into the process of where do you want to take that discussion. This kind of happened impromptu. on, And I don't have an issue that Brady's the quarterback of the decade. My issue would be that it's unanimous. And I know that I'm splitting hairs on that, and I'm having a subjective, semantical argument. <laughs> but it's what I do, and I just don't understand the unanimous concept of Brady for the best quarterback of the 2010s and people are right like right now hearing that and going Heller is crazy because Brady won three Super Bowls in the 2010s and I don't think I'm crazy at all I think that Brady probably I mean Brady is probably the greatest quarterback of all time but there are quarterbacks that I think that played the position better does that sound dumb I mean, I, listen, I would put, other than the postseason, I would put Peyton Manning in that conversation. I would put John Elway in the conversation. I would put Dan Marino in the conversation. The reason I wouldn't put Favre in it is because he threw too many interceptions. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't had enough affiliated team success, and I think he has dipped sooner than I thought he would dip. Well, here's the thing. Like, I... Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, probably the, the two correct choices. I could have seen you made an argument for Drew Brees, but like you pointed out, he does have a lot of interceptions over the last 10 years. Um, but you do understand why Tom Brady's unanimous. I guess that's why it's frustrating to me because well, you you know why because he's it's unanimous. A, because it's, they equate it with wins. Right. They equate it with with January and February wins, and I'm which is out not to you that it's, a quarterback stat. And what I'm pointing out to you is it's 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 – Probably more so to do with the three Super Bowl wins, but it's not as if he's got some chump stats. It's not as if he's less no, than 100 it, picks, over 300 touchdowns, an his, MVP. His like, stats are almost identical to that of Aaron Rodgers. In fact, the only one that Rodgers beats him in is two two of them. Fewer interceptions by 17 in the decade and a better quarterback rating. Otherwise, Brady throws 11 more touchdowns and for oh, 5,000 more yards. Two MVPs. My bad. I missed an MVP. So they each won two. Yeah. So there another reason. Sorry, I missed the 2017. But how does that get to unanimity? Because it's because of the three Super Bowls? Probably, like we've always talked about, is that I, but I thing can. that puts I, him over the top. I, and, 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 but I've, you understand I have been, it. I have been arguing this forever and ever, back on this horse, that wins and Super Bowl wins is not a quarterback statistic. And when we default to it, we make a mistake. It's the only sport and position that we do it with, and it's wrong. Hey, I, I know we're up against Jeff Levering here. We're going to play a little bit uh, back in case you missed it with the Brewers broadcaster, but I did tease this, so let's get to that story real quick. In 2020, he says, why not do a home run derby? Uh, so he wants to play the 10th inning if nobody scores or if it's still tied after 10 innings, then you would pick your three best players, home yeah, run hitters, 10, yep. and they each get five outs against the other team's five outs and have a home run derby to end it. Um, it's not the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but it is the next-door neighbor. Okay, it is in. It is right next door to the dumbest idea I have ever heard. 
Hmm. And I don't know what the dumbest idea is. I just know that somewhere in the house that surrounds this extra inning home run derby house is the dumbest idea house of all time. And it's this is a best. neighbor. It's definitely not the best idea. Um, and I think people would say, Mike, Mike, hey, what about soccer? They do shootouts, don't they? So does hockey. I, I, yeah. I don't. Uh, What's the difference? Because the sports are not the same. Oh, what, what Mike, are we going to do? It's, it's apples and grapefruit. Mike, it's Stop. just for one year. It's just like a, sh- a soccer for shootout. For what purpose? To determine a winner. Stop. So you don't play put a runner seven, on second base. So you don't play California rules. Innings. At least that's more baseball driven. So you don't. Let's j- see who can make the most half court shots. Let's put our three best shooters out from half court. Are you telling me? If we me, go to overtime no, 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 in the no, no, NBA. No, 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 it's not a half Same court. Thing. No, it's not. Yep. It'd be a three-point contest. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, it would. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> let's argue that. <laughs> Unless, Come on, let's yeah, argue that. Well, I mean, no, it would be because the home run derby doesn't need to be crushed a thousand miles, just like a three-point shot wouldn't need to be made I didn't from say who court. could make the furthest shot. Well, it'd be a three-point three contest. Point shot is, is to, to, oh, is you going to give each player a rack? Yes. I don't know how it would go. Is there a money ball? My point is this. No, it wouldn't be half-court. It'd be three-point contest. And if it was a three-point contest... That'd be kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. I kind of wouldn't mind that for a couple wow. games. You, you, hey, go ahead and buy a house in Justin you know what? Turner's neighborhood. I think neighborhood. I'm with Justin Turner on this. Yeah, maybe Why he'll not? rent you the pool house. Yeah, because you know what I'd rather watch? Another six innings of scoreless baseball. Oh, boy. In August. In game seven. That's what we need. Awesome conversation. Let the kids play. Oh, Come boy. on. Stop. What happened to that? Stop it. Let me help you uh, protect you from yourself. See some bat flips. And we'll take a commercial break. Jeff Levering, we talked to him earlier. You'll hear it in case you missed it. <laughs> this is the Mike Heller Show. I like getting you upset today. On 1070 The Game and the iHeartRadio app. All right, a little bit earlier today, we spent uh, the better part of an hour with Jeff Levering of the Milwaukee Brewers Radio Network. Wanted to bring some of the back in case you missed it, and we begin here talking about the greatest of all time, Jeff Levering talking about Bob Euchre. Jeff, let me jump back into the conversation where we left it off. Hard to transition from that dance video into your work with Uke. But listen, he, he would have great appreciation for this because he, he has a great sense of humor, one of, one of the best, funniest people of all time. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I was talking to you about when you broke in, even though you were in, in the second row, he had been doing it for 45 years uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers, talking about being their radio broadcaster. So, I mean, I grew up with Uke, and I grew up watching him, and my real exposure to him was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. So I'm curious, as playing the straight man, as you've learned to do with him to help set him up uh, when you can, um, because he doesn't need a whole lot of help, give us a sense of maybe a couple of those funniest or best moments for you or maybe it was hard for you because it was so funny take us through a couple of those yeah i mean there have been plenty um where where he's had a knack whether it's been myself or Corey provis or jim powell um pat hughes where he has the 
the incredible knack of making you laugh so hard that you can't breathe. Um, <laughs> and, and he does, and he does it on regular, right? And, and some of those moments are even while we're not even on the air, but when it happens on the air, um, it makes for a lot of fun. So there, there are a couple that that really ring true to my heart, and and I'll never forget. One was last year, um, kind of a throwaway game in the month of probably August or July or something like that. And it was a Thursday night against the Reds. And for whatever reason, we were talking about a story where, where Bob and the Brewers ended up playing the El Paso Diablos, the double-A affiliate of the Brewers at the time, in an in a exhibition game. And Bob decided to get behind the plate, and he dyed his hair. And he was trying to call the game from behind the plate. And they were trying to do all these gimmicky things. And there was a... <laughs> A play at the plate, and um, the right fielder threw a, a dart to home plate. He makes the catch, and this this minor league guy is going to try and take him out. And so we started taking about we're talking about this story, and it morphed into the song El Paso. And I I had never I was not a country western fan growing up, so I'd never heard the song El Paso. And then he starts singing the song. And then he said, well, I think I've got the lyrics right. Um, there's a gal named Rosita from El Paso. And so we go into just diving into the lyrics of the song El Paso. And it went on for three innings. The Brewers <laughs> are getting smoked by the Reds, so nobody really cares. So we're, we're talking about the song El Paso. And it was just one of, the, one of the funnest games that we've ever been a part of. And it wasn't about the game. It was about the stories we were telling about the song El Paso. And then there was another one in Pittsburgh. Um, one of our, our favorite people in Pittsburgh is the on-field uh, announcer um, who does a great job. His name is Joe. And Joe has a very pronounced lean back to when he's talking. And he's almost like a question mark, the amount he leans back. Yeah. And um, we were in the pregame show talking and, and – it's that, that kind of middle segment of our pregame show where Bob sets up the game. We go to a break and come back and we kind of set up the game. And we're talking about Andrew McCutcheon and his first year not being a pirate. And is he going to have a statue out there with the likes of, um, with the likes of Stargell and Clemente and the rest. And he, I, I caught Bob cause he, he called me Joe instead of calling me Jeff. And then he transitioned that from Joe to, you know what, Joe, is, I think Joe down on the field is going to have himself a statue. And he's going to be leaning back. And he said, and he said, what do you think? And then he took his headset off and started laughing and crying. And I'm just hung out to dry and I'm trying to, yeah, you know, Joe, he's one of our favorite guys. And then I see Bob laughing and his back is going up and down and shoulders are bobbing up and down. And I'm like, I, and I just stopped. I just stopped, and I was laughing, and I said, yeah, Bob, I think you should have a statue as I pulled it together, and then we went to break. But that happens so often. Um, it's just it's just part of our, our routine, and, and we have a blast with that. I think the fans appreciate it, too. Did you feel, Jeff, when you began that there was a an acceptance process, a grow-in with Uke, um, it, or is because none of us have worked with him, or was he easy to work with from the beginning? I mean, there's there's definitely that little buffer of time where you've got to earn his trust. Yeah. Um, there's there's no doubt about it. And once once you get that trust, and you're you're quote unquote in the club, you're you're in the club forever. Uh, and, you, and as the person who joins the club, you don't ever want to get out of that club. So uh, there was a little bit of that time. And you know, to be honest with you, my, my last interview to get the job was going and having dinner with Bob. That was my last 
it was kind of up to the to Bob to make the decision because eventually he'd have to be sitting with me or working with me or me being behind him in the second row um, on a day in a day out basis. So he had to have final approval. So I went and had dinner with him and dinner went well. And in the middle of dinner, he goes, yeah, so I guess we'll see you up in Milwaukee in a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> oh, I don't have the job yet, but I, I guess, yeah, no problem. Well, so he's making kinda, the call, okay, right? Well, I yeah. I mean, I passed that initial test. And I don't think the guys in Milwaukee are going to say, you know what? I'm glad you liked him, but we didn't really like him. So that's okay. Um, as soon as you got Bob's seal of approval, it was a pretty good deal. And, and I was kind of in there. So it was, it was good. And, and again, working with him, it was just being smart and, and learning his cadence and learning his rhythm and, and how many different layers he can go on different stories and how far he wants to go on some stories. Uh, that just came with working with them. Let, let me let me follow up on one thing, uh, John. I know you got next, but let me follow up on one thing. It, I, I was at spring training when they closed down the clubhouse on that. I think it was a Monday night, and they announced that on Tuesday it was going to be closed. And so we're down there, and uh, I'm talking with uh, Mike Vasallo and Sophia Minert, and somebody said, "Who's going to have to tell Uke?" He can't go in the clubhouse because the, he mm-hmm. was going to be non-essential personnel as far as going into the clubhouse, and I don't think it ever got there because I don't think Yuke was at the ballpark, and then um, you know they closed it down completely three days later. But at some point, it had it gone that direction, somebody was going to have to say to Yuke, "You don't get to go in the clubhouse." Right, that and that's a big that's a big conversation to have too because. If we're at Miller Park, Bob is in the clubhouse all the time. I mean, he doesn't come up to the booth until maybe an hour, hour and a half before the game. Um, He goes down there, there's a whirlpool, and he swims in it, and he's yucking it up with the players and with council and with the coaching staff. And I mean, that's just, that's, he's like a team mascot in in the best possible way. And um, I think that was indicative when they gave him a full share after the NLCS run in 2018, which Bob then donated. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't. I don't know how that conversation would have gone. I can't imagine someone <laughs> no. going in there, and he and he gets and he gets medical treatment too from some of the the training staff. So right. it's it's he's getting worked on, and having that conversation with Bob would have, I would have never wanted to be the Grim Reaper mm-hmm. on that one. No, not at all. You know, talking about Yuki, you talked about how you had to learn his cadence, and obviously everybody kind of has their own unique way of broadcasting on the radio. Who inspired you as a broadcaster growing up that made you want to do this? Oh man, there there are a lot of people. Um, I, I grew up listening to John Miller on the radio, yeah. which is a pretty good barometer to have. Um, Hank Greenwald before that in, with the San Francisco Giants in the the mid nineties. Um, so having those two guys to listen to each and every day of the summertime was really helpful. Um, when I when I got into the industry, I worked at Fox in in Los Angeles, and I got to sit behind Steve Fizioc and Rex Hudler uh, on the Angels telecast and then get to know some of the visiting broadcasters, too. But, I, I mean, I was the gopher on that broadcast. If they needed peanuts or whatever, they needed media guides or stats, I would be the guy to go do it. And then run down to the postgame show and grab the, the player for the postgame interview with whoever the, the reporter was and go run that beta tape out to the truck and go back and forth. I mean, that was my job. That's how I got into the industry. Um, but Steve Fiziak was really big in that um, when I first broke into the business. And I was just an intern, and he, he noticed that I had a – uh, a hankering to do what he did. And he said, Hey, just grab a tape recorder and go into the next booth. You're not doing anything in the middle innings, call the middle innings, give me the tape at the end of the night. I'll listen to it on my way home. And I'll tell you what you think. 
So, I mean, that that's basically how I got into play-by-play because I played in college and I never, I never, I've never had a chance to call baseball before. So I, I got my first job in the minor leagues with two full games and, and a handful of innings from those intern sit in the camera booth innings that I called. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's how I got in. So fizz was huge. So Jeff, you were talking to Jeff Levering, joining us on the Mike Keller show with us for a few more minutes here. Um, Jeff, let me ask you, you talked about eight years of doing minor league games, correct? Um, yep, and, yep. and that's a relative short period of time because nobody leaves these jobs. Um, were yeah. there moments in there, even though you know eight years seemed short, while you were doing it, I'm sure it was an eternity. Were there times in there where you thought, okay, I'm just this is it. If if something doesn't break in this off season, I'm moving in a different direction. How close did you ever get? Really close, and it, and it wasn't because I didn't want to do it. Um, it was because my my job was basically taken from me uh, because of an ownership change, and that was three years in. I was in Rancho Cucamonga, California. And, California League in A-ball. Uh, I'd been there for three years. I'd finished as a runner-up to a double-A job the year before. And then in 2000, that was 2008, in 2009 in that offseason, I felt like I had a pretty good chance to, to land a job. Um, somewhere else, I ended up being the runner-up for the Frisco Rough Riders job in uh, Frisco, Texas. Uh, Aaron Goldsmith ended up getting that job, who does a phenomenal job on all sorts of Fox platforms and Seattle Mariners. Um, and then I was, okay, well, I'm going to go back and the ownership change happens. And, um, I got a call from one of my buddies who was in the Texas league and said, Hey, listen, we just got an email from the, the Springfield Cardinals broadcaster. He says he's leaving. He's going to Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, I thought you still had that job. What's going on with you? <laughs> and I went, Oh, great question. Boy. I don't, I don't know what's happening with me. So I go in and talk to the suits. They said, yeah, we knew him from our previous ownership group and he's got a girlfriend out here that he wanted to reunite with. And, um, yeah, so we hired him. Okay, so I sent my uh, stuff to Springfield, and yeah. I ended up getting I ended up getting that job. But if I don't end up getting that job, uh, we ended up trading places. But if I don't get that job, I, I don't know if I'm doing play by play right now. Maybe I do something different. And that was 11 yeah. years ago. So that that was the big crossroads for me. That was Jeff Levering uh, from earlier today on the show. Really good stuff. Uh, what a great chance to visit with him and. Good finish right there. You, you never know how things are going to work. And uh, he ended up trading jobs with somebody else. Uh, tomorrow on the program, we'll visit with Pete Doherty, who is also furloughed right now, Pete Doherty. Uh, he will join us tomorrow on the program for an extensive conversation. Jeff Patrikas possibly tomorrow as well. Hope you all enjoy your Monday night. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Thanks for listening to The Mike Heller Show.